get his thoughts on the Ravens win in London. Jeremy Kahn will join us, recap the weekend that was. Of course, it's Monday after a win, so we need to get some pats on the ass in for the day and for the Ravens' victory. We'll go over the weekend in picks, all that coming up on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. We're less than two weeks away from their big hiring event Saturday, October 28th at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. Great opportunity for you if you've been thinking about a career change, if you feel like you've hit kind of a dead end maybe. You just sort of don't like where it is that your direction is taking you. You're looking for something with a bit more purpose. You have a passion to serve and you want a career for life, for example. The Baltimore County Police Department is where you should be looking. And you can go over on the 28th and simply ask questions. There will be members of the specialized units in attendance, and they will be there for the singular purpose of giving you direction. Hey, if you join the Baltimore County Police Force, it might not just be like patrol. There are other career opportunities within the police department. And you can also, if you decide that it's time, go through many steps of the process, the application, written test, agility test, all right there. But even if you say, yeah, I'm good, I've got a great job, I am the producer of a highly successful internet radio show. See, so I did feel like you were talking to me that whole time. Well, I said highly successful, so it's not oh, you. Okay, okay. It's not you. Somebody else. If that's if that's where you're at, you're good, then what I would encourage you to do is come anyway. But you say, why? Because it's a community event, too. It's an opportunity for you to interact with the Baltimore County Police, but also it's an opportunity for you to get your kids Put them in their costumes. Maybe get your brother or your sister's kids. Put them in their costumes. It's a trunk or treat event. Really safe environment. If you're a little bit nervous, you're at that age where you're not sure how you're feeling about trick-or-treating, your kids are embarrassed by the idea of you walking around with them, so you don't want to do that, but you're not quite ready to let them walk around by themselves, bring them out for the trunk or treat with the Baltimore County Police Department on October 28th. Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road. Find out more. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com or call 410-887-5542. All right, so we did the Project Game Day postgame show, and I feel like I got a lot off my chest then. And then I wrote a column, and i got to be honest with you, after I reread the column, I still wasn't even sure exactly what I was trying to say. Can I be honest about that for today? It's the weird vibe that I have of how we talk about the Ravens at four and two because they're four and two. And because as yesterday in the NFL reminded us, nothing is easy and every team is flawed. This, this thing where we portray as though it's supposed to be like college football, where there are some teams that are just monsters. They're just machines and they just roll through everybody. It ain't like that in the NFL. That's not the way that it works. And we've known that. And every year we know that. And yet we convince ourselves that if a team isn't meeting certain standards that we set for them, that means that whatever their record is, we're really measuring them against whatever these standards are that we have in our mind. The thing that will jump out the most for the current Ravens, is that they are in the middle of the pack for scoring offense. 
tied with the checks notes Washington Commanders for 15th. Sam Howell's good. I don't know if you. Now I can understand why that alone you would look at and say, yeah, that's that's not that's not okay. That's not good enough. Uh, if you look at the scoring offense and you look at the numbers and you try to point out like it's a pretty pretty significant demarcation after that point it's hard to find anybody that you think is a viable Super Bowl contender the only team that you could look at that's beneath the Ravens and scoring offense rankings and say that team could win a Super Bowl really is Cincinnati and that's only because they got off to a miserable start and now they're starting to get back into focus of who they are the scoring was tough throughout the NFL yesterday. Like, yeah, it was, it was a definitely weird, a weird day. So unless you're the Dolphins, of course. Yeah, I hope you weren't betting the overs yesterday in the NFL. It was a weird day for scoring. Um, that's the immediate thing to look at. And yesterday, the culprit, of course, would be the red zone, where the Ravens go one for six, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Weird. Because they had been a very good red zone offense coming into yesterday. They still are, actually. After yesterday, they're still top five. they're still coming with points. And yeah. I mean, it's very rare that any team goes into the red zone and doesn't come away yeah. with points. <laughs> like, it's very rare that that happens. But, you know, it's just the way that a game went. And for what it's worth, the Titans have one of the top five red zone defenses in the NFL. So rubber kind of met the road yesterday. And, and yesterday was an interesting day because you wonder if it – sort of gave some direction about where this team is headed moving forward. A lot of people point out that the Ravens were much more conservative in their decision-making yesterday. Felt more like a team that was prioritizing, let's make sure we win over style points. Did what happened at the end of the first half against Pittsburgh like shock the system? Well, remember, that wasn't supposed to happen. That was an error. But it did seem odd for example, that when the Ravens decided to punt late in the first half, they didn't even bother to send the offense out there to try to draw them off sides. They were going to punt either way. What's a five-yard penalty to back up and punt when nothing's going to change in those moments? It was interesting that the Ravens didn't even bother going through the ceremony of pretending like they might not punt. You just wonder how much that has impacted them. That felt like it impacted them significantly late in the first half. You're really not even going to try? Like Most of the time when you run your offense back out there to try to draw them off sides, you, you know you're going to try. Sorry, you know you're not going to try. You're just doing it for the sake of doing it because in the one in a million chance that one of their guys falls over, now you're in field goal range. What yard line were they on? Remind me. The Ravens, it was fourth and three at the Tennessee 46. So they were four yards past. I mean, it's interesting because they suddenly seem allergic to really long field goal attempts. (laughs) Because that would have been... It would have been a 58-yarder. Well, if they had tried from the 46, it would have been a 64. Yeah. This would have been a 40, a 58, 59-yarder, which I still don't know if they're going to try. The, the, it, somebody would say, well, why wouldn't you try it You're talking about the anyway? last drive of the... The first half. Yeah. Yes, okay. correct. Like 12 seconds left and then yes. the muff pump. Somebody would say, why not try it anyway? Now, look, they ended up getting the three mm-hmm. points, but they got that out of a miracle, right? No, somebody, they knew what was going to happen. Yeah, sure. 
Somebody would say, why not try it anyway? Well, there's a bunch of reasons why you don't try it anyway. One, apparently the turf was not good at Hotspur or Tottenham or whatever the hell. Yeah, hot apparently the, the turf was a mess, so I don't know how that affected their decision-making. But also, you miss it. 12 seconds is plenty of time for them to complete one pass and steal three points back the other way. So I understand the decision-making. But I still don't understand why you don't at least run them back out there because now you have the opportunity, if you can draw them off sides, to run one more offensive play, get yourself perhaps to the 35, and now try a field goal on the final play of the game. Again, not expecting that it's likely. It's just weird they didn't even bother to try. And instead they needed you know, a gift of gifts in order to get some points before the half. You wonder how much last week impacted John Harbaugh. And if moving forward, he now says, this is who we're going to be. We're going to be a team that values points. We're going to value, you know, all of these, the possession. We're going to value not get, we are not going to be the aggressive team anymore because it maybe doesn't fit our style any longer. Also, they're not very good at bully ball anymore. It's the thing that kept coming back to me yesterday. This thing where they want to be dominant in the run after they build up a lead, they want to be a dominant a dominant run team. They're not. They're not that. And they haven't been post-Marshall Yonda. They've never been exactly the same as a dominant run team post-Marshall Yonda. Which isn't to say they weren't better under Greg Oman. Greg Oman. <laughs> felt like there was a Greg Oman a couple times. Greg Roman the last couple of years. I don't know why they're not a better short yardage run between the tackles run team. I, I can't really dissect that. Someone smarter than I might be able to. But I also think that that is part of the equation here of why it is. It used to be that when they would line up in these fourth down situations, they could literally tell you, here's what we're going to do, and they could just go do it anyway. But they're not a good bully ball team anymore. So... I, I, I will be interested in how they go about their decision-making and if it changes from game to game because perhaps when they play the Lions next week and they feel like they need to score more points because the Lions are a more capable offense, they will make more aggressive decisions. Maybe some of their decision-making was just, look, we're playing the Titans. We are not fearful of Ryan Tannehill. It's also weird to look at yesterday's game because you would come out of yesterday's game suddenly feeling like the edge rush has completely solved itself. But you'd be ignoring the fact that five of their six sacks all occurred on the same drive when Malik Willis was happy to hold on to the football for a long time. Which doesn't mean they didn't do any positive things in the edge rush department. I thought, on the whole, both Jadavion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy played pretty well. But it would be dangerous to suddenly say, well, they don't need any help in the edge rush. Look, they got six sacks on Sunday. Yeah, five of them came on the same drive. Which is bizarre. I remember looking back like, I feel like a few of them happened on that when, when Willis was on the field. And then I went back and looked, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it was five of them. Holy hell. The defense is good. It's a top five scoring defense in football. 
The defense is good. I remember and what the column was about was sort of the, what I thought this season was going to be was the pendulum swinging. It ain't that. The pendulum ain't swinging. But that's okay. It's okay because what we're really seeing is an opportunity for this team to end up playing truly complimentary football. And as much as we all like the idea of run and gun, go score 80 points a game, that type of offense, complimentary football is about the best thing you could ask for. And if the offense can continue to ascend, and again, I still think there's encouragement there. I mean, they got to run the ball better with players not named Lamar Jackson. That's the part that's just, they are not getting into any rhythm. Our friend Femi Ayan Badejo pointed out after the game that like they're really struggling to tell you what their offensive identity is, and that's fair too. I think some of that's overrated, right? Like I don't know that you need to announce what your identity is. I think being balanced would be a very good thing for an offense. But I get it. They, Lamar Jackson's efficiency continues to stand out. It's not statistically overwhelming. He's not going to be the obvious MVP choice, but his efficiency is outstanding. I'm, I'm just, it's just a weird feeling. And then there's all the esoteric stuff. There's all the, yeah, but you know, they, they got a lead and then they struggled again. And like they did, but then they righted the ship. So what do you say? Does it matter that they were struggling? Do you, do you give them credit for handling it better this time around than they handled it the week before? I think it matters that yeah they were able to handle it. I think it. I think that. I think matters. it matters. I agree, but like to what extent? Right. And can they do it against we again a, a team that better we think t- is better than the Titans? Correct. Somebody that doesn't line up. Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback. Not that Jared Goff is a world beater, but look, man, Ryan Tannehill's got one foot out the door. Let's be honest about it. It's just, it's just about over with the Ryan Tannehill experiment. I can't believe that Will Levis is the third quarter. I can't believe they don't look around and say, maybe we should at least give it a shot. The guy that we took maybe 33rd, 34th Yeah, maybe, maybe we should at least see if this guy could do something. Like, how bad is that guy <laughs> if he can't be better than this? Because this is dreadful. Or if they got long-term plans of, you know, a top – Five pick, I guess. Yeah, maybe, oh, yeah. but if that's just a draft another quarterback, then why did you spend an early yeah. second round pick on a quarterback? He was there. I, I hear you. And it wasn't Willis a second round pick too? Yes, he was. Uh, All yes, they're gonna was. do is keep mm-hmm. drafting quarterbacks early for forever. And maybe Levis stinks. I don't know. Like it's been that bad. Lot, right? lot of. I mean, there's a reason why he wasn't the top five pick that some people thought he was going to be. That's that's for sure. But that's their problem. That's not our problem here. It's it was a weird day, man. I, I don't know what's going on with Rashad Bateman. That's such a bummer, right? Like it's it's almost tough to watch because you know what he's capable of. And you don't want to pile on. It, everybody wants to talk about him not jumping. It's fair to say, like, if he ran the wrong route, jumping's not really gonna help there. Right. It, it, I, him yeah. jumping I don't like, think it would have probably wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. I, I still, like, just for the sake of maybe showing your teammates, like, I'm trying. <laughs> Might have been good to at least attempt. But it was pretty evident that he ran the wrong route. 
And that's the reason why he didn't jump, because he didn't think he was supposed to jump in that spot. That's that's tough look, man. That's a tough look. It's hard to figure out what's going on there. And in a weird way, the thing that we talked about before, we're like, you know, there's only one football. It's been hard to figure out who like a primary target would be for this team. I still don't know that that's a bad thing. But you do wonder if at some point it's affecting a Rashad Bateman coming back from injury that he's not getting consistent opportunities. There's still an amount of development that needs to happen there. He hasn't played enough. It's I don't I don't really want to come off negative because they got a good win. It's too late. I don't think I'm being negative. I think I'm just reflecting on how strange yeah. the circumstances are. It, it it's if, a, if they scored one more touchdown, like how much better would we feel? Like if one of those but, field goals became. But the weird part is like they went, they covered, <laughs> like they, they did everything they were supposed to do. They had a two possession lead late, so that the Titans all they could do was go and get some window dressing. I, it's a weird vibe that we're not more excited about a four and two football team. And again, I think identity has a lot to do with it. We don't really know what this team is. and I, I, It's almost comparable to the Orioles, right? Like, why are they so good? Why are the Ravens 4-2? Why is it that they could, a couple of bounces here or there, be 6-0? and The statistics wouldn't change dramatically, right? Like, imagine if they kick a field goal, in over, a long Justin Tucker field goal in overtime. Or he just makes the one, the long field goal that he missed, and they win that game. Um, the the Steelers game again similar. Just I, I guess imagine if they don't complete the pass to Pickens and the Ravens or, get a stop yeah, or there. Lamar or doesn't something. throw an interception. I, I guess yeah. The, st- the t- statistics would all be pretty similar to this. Like there wouldn't be a lot that would change that would make them a wildly more dynamic offense. But yet they'd be six and zero. And we'd be sort of we know they were good, but we still wouldn't know why they were good. That's the weird feel. It's so much easier when some element of your team is wildly dynamic. And when that's the case, you say, well, we can rely on that forever. That's how we know this team is going to be good the rest of the season is because this unit is good. But we don't know what it is. We, we, we're just sort of sitting here saying, well, they're six and four, or they're sorry, they're four and two. But we think they're disappointing. It's such a bizarre world, man. I, I and I and I can't I can't give you answers. That's the disappointing part. I know that's sort of what I'm supposed to do when I write these columns. I can't give you answers. I know they're a good football team. It feels like they have a chance to continue to get better offensively. And if that's the case, then they have a chance to be really good. If they continue to get better offensively, I don't think there's any reason to think the defense is going to slip. They have a chance to be really good. But are we confident that they will? One of the things we would always talk about in the past is that like the trade deadline could give you an opportunity to add one more playmaker. And offensively, over the years, we've always wanted that. We've always wanted the Ravens to go out and add one more wide receiver. But I don't think it's a personnel problem offensively. It, 
I don't know that it's a problem. They're effective. They're efficient offensively. They're not wildly productive. They're sort of playing still old-school Ravens football, despite the fact that we don't think they really have the personnel to do that. The defense has been better than the sum of the parts. They got a, they got a good win. They did. That was a good win. That was a much-needed win. It, it seems like the decision-making of getting out to London helped them. They were sharper earlier in the game than the Titans were. And they still faced a little adversity, right? Like, they still faced some questionable things. You know, the ejection, I think we all agree it should have been flagged, but I, I don't know how I felt about Kyle Hamilton getting ejected from the game. The Marcus Williams pass interference was atrocious, was an awful call. And was huge, right? I mean, that was a big yardage gain for the Titans that got them some points earlier in the game. They handled it. They got the job done. I, 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 we all want them to look like the greatest show on turf offensively. That's not what they are. They're, they're just a little bit different than that. I think that's okay. Will they need to score more points? They need to score more points than the Washington Commanders do. I do think that's fair. And I think they'll need to score more points in order to beat the Lions next week. I think it's a, it's quite the tall task coming back from Europe to ask this defense to shut down the Lions next week. But if they can play good complementary team football, it's not sexy. It's... It's not going to rock your socks, but it might be their path to winning this division and setting themselves up well for the postseason. It's, man, it's, I, I, I feel like we should be having more fun. I feel like we should be enjoying this more. I feel like there should be more, something more pleasant about being 4-2. and two. It's probably the nature of the two losses. It really probably is. And I, I feel like everything would change. The statistics wouldn't change dramatically, but our opinion would change dramatically because we wouldn't have seen the evidence of them goofing and co- in those collapsing spots. Collapsing almost. Yes. I think that really, that thing still lingers in our mind every time the Ravens play a somewhat close game. Is Every time that happens, we find ourselves not, saying... Not even a close game. Yeah. Well, I mean, yesterday was... Well, I guess I was it was a close like the game. Dolphins game last year and just... Well, okay. I mean, those... That, was, the, yeah, okay. right. that game was away and... It's what it is. It's what it is. Um, today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So I don't know what's going on with Kadri, but we, we might only, you're only allowed to get two of these. You're <laughs> only allowed to have two of these issues. So we'll either track him down. Or we'll go ahead and get into picks recap, and then we'll move forward and figure it out. That's what we're going to do. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you
you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition after the Ravens win in London. And if you missed Project Game Day yesterday, you can find it by going to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video or Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and click on the Videos tab. We had uh, a whole cast of characters yesterday, not only myself, Rita, and Femi Ayan Badejo, but... Josh Charles was checking in with us, as well as uh, Stekka and KZ and our guy Trippy, and we just had a party yesterday, which is weird because again we were all talking about the same things. Like, eh, we feel goodish. Like, it was um, it was a weird day, but it was a fun day. And if you missed it, encourage you to check it out. Project Game Day is brought to you by AJ Michaels, HelpMyGamblingProblem.org, and Superbook Sports. As always, every game day this season, immediately following every Ravens game, come over and hang out with us. You can also get more details at pressboxonline.com slash game day for Project Game Day. Um, let's, do, let's do picks recap. Let's go ahead and get into it from the week, kind of go over the week that was in football. Picks recap, and our lines for picks are always set by Superbook Sports. And if you use the code GlennClark23, when you sign up at Superbook.com or you download the Superbook app, then you'll get a same-day first bet match up to $250, win or lose. That's Superbook.com or the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. Tonight, Cowboys favorites on the road in really? Los Angeles by a point and a half against the Chargers. That seems interesting to you. Also, you're looking ahead as uh, Andrew Steck and I were hypothesizing yesterday the Ravens two and a half point favorites at home against the Lions. History has not always been kind to teams coming back from London without a bye week. A lot of them have been in very tight games the following week. Not the, not the Jaguars yesterday. The Bills sure yeah. were. But if any of these numbers sound interesting to you, again, use that code GlennClark23 at Superbook Sports. <sighs> I'd rather not talk about Maryland football. Gosh. Be I mean, just as fine not discussing it whatsoever. That is about as horrifying a loss as they could have. And I'm, I'm trying to be fair about it. Because I don't want to be the guy, like a lot of people that don't pay attention to Maryland football, it's like, well, oh, it's just the same old Maryland. I, everything about the day, it's it just reeks of Maryland football. It reeks of bad weather, non-relevant opponent, and coming off a bummer of a loss so fans don't really show up. Which... Some people say, well, that's why Maryland football never matter because the fans don't. My sister was there. I was very proud of her that she showed up. Very good for her. (laughs) She probably regrets her decision. (laughs) Probably could have been better ways for her to spend her day than standing in the rain watching Maryland lose to Illinois, who stunk. Um, So you start with that factor, right? Like That feels like Maryland football. Then you add in just a head-scratching performance, particularly in the second half. I mean, I I don't have the words for it. Just bad all around. And, look, Maryland's going to be fine. They're still probably going to win seven games. Go to it. Maybe there's still an eighth win to be found. 
see. What do they have left? They I mean, still, they, they obviously they got, got Michigan and Penn State. They got right. at Northwestern in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's certainly a winnable game. At Nebraska after Penn State. That's a winnable game, but they have not historically been good on the road against those, like, in those big environments. And against, like out there. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the West, they <laughs> yeah. have not done very well in those circumstances over the years. And they end the season at Rutgers after Michigan. Of course, that's a winnable game. Like, there are winnable games still there for Maryland, but they're not going to win over any more of the casual fans in this region by winning those games. And it's not even a certainty that they're going to win those games. What yet what Saturday does that's so it's so damning is they had the opportunity if they could win all of those games other than the big ones. If they go 9 and 3, then even if they lose all the big games, they can say, "Look, we went 9 9 wins is a big deal." The po- the opportunity to go win a bowl game and say you had a 10-win season, they would have to they have 5 games left. So, if they beat If they had beaten Illinois. Oh, if they beaten yeah. That's okay, what I'm saying. What if they saying. had beaten yeah. Illinois and the only yeah. games they lost all season were the three powerhouses, then they would have the opportunity to get to 9 wins, maybe 10 with a bowl game. Yeah. And that's the type of thing where like even if nobody knows how it happened, the casual fan could hear that and say, "Wow, they won 10, 10 games." Yeah. They they could have a chance to finish ranked. And win a bowl game, like, it smells like there's something happening there. Now that's off the table. The only thing at this point they could really do this season to get casual fans and to build it back up would be to somehow stun Penn State or Michigan. Like, they almost have to do that now, or else it's just kind of another Maryland football season. And again, I just saw my guy Jeff Ehrman from Inside MD Sports talking about this on Twitter. Those of us that follow Maryland football, those of us that care about Maryland football, know. Like, we know this is what it is. Like, if if you're not going to pay attention until they're a top 10 national team, then you're just never going to pay attention. That's the reality of the circumstances. This is Maryland football. I think that my I've said it a million times. I think Mike Loxley is the absolute best coach they could have, and I still think the job might be too difficult. And the infuriating part continues to be, look, this is the part you want me to take Mike Loxley to task? It is shameful that they continue to shoot themselves in the foot with penalties. It's been years of this. The discipline on that team is to say lacking wouldn't nearly do enough to describe it. And that's, for all of the good things he does, that falls on him and his staff. The discipline. If you want to matter in the Big Ten, going up against those teams, you can't hurt yourselves the way that Maryland football hurts themselves. And I have no doubt that it's infuriating. And he sits back and it loses sleep. But, and obviously they've been dealing with injuries, and that is part of the story yeah. too, and hopefully the bye week helps them out and they come out of it on the other side a little bit healthier. But that was as atrocious a loss as Maryland football could experience. Just awful. Awful. The only bad news is maybe there weren't that many people watching. The Colorado, or the, sorry, the Oregon-Washington game. Yeah, how, how are you Colorado? How's that going, by the way? Jesus. Off night. Yeah, off night. Twenty-nine, nothing. God, that was um, the Oregon-Washington game was going on at the same time. Maybe all the college football don't fans don't in the area just watched that instead. Maybe there weren't that don't many. Which we had picked the Colorado game, so you could get a point up on. Yeah, right. 
I don't know what I would have picked in that game. I don't care. Uh, Illinois, uh, Ken Zalis, Andrew Stecka, and Jeremy Kahn were all on Illinois this week. In a week where it was difficult, nobody did better than a game over 500 this week. Like, it was, everybody was bunched up here in uh, this week. Next up, Oregon-Washington ends up being a push. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. A lot of criticism of Dan Lanning for some of his decision-making. Truth be told, I think he had to go for it on fourth down, um, their, their penultimate drive of the game, because the dirty little secret in football is if you're going to give up points on the other end, you need to give them up quicker. Yeah. You, what you can't do, this is, goes back to what we were talking about with the... The George Pickens. And the, correct. Yeah. The worst possible thing that can occur is they you give them the ball down. back, yeah. they score, and they bleed out the rest of the clock. So if you were going to fail to score on that drive, then you needed them to do exactly what they did. Exactly right. Yeah. And that gave Oregon the opportunity. They got a field goal, a very makeable field goal attempt at the end of the game. They weren't able to capitalize. The problem for Oregon, they're not they're very good at running the football. They're not I, I think Bo Nix has been overstated. You could see the clear difference between Michael Penix and Bo Nix as that game went on. Michael Penix, when he needed to make a throw, was making Penix. throws. I mean, he is he is shot. There's now a little separation at the top of the Heisman um, race. He is one with a bullet at the moment. I I'm kind of I'm starting to think that there might be some non-quarterbacks that can get themselves into the conversation if Penix, like Brock Bowers, to me deserves to be in the Heisman conversation, and I mean that. Can you imagine. It's but do you watch? Yeah, I mean, if you watch Georgia football, (laughs) it's nuts. I didn't watch them play Vanderbilt on Saturday, obviously, but I watched the Kentucky game the week before. Dude, Brock Bowers is that offense. Michael Penix is minus one thirty-five. I can't believe it's only minus one thirty-five. What are the rest of the? Um, everyone. I mean, it's all quarterbacks. Um. Next closest, Dylan Gabriel, plus 600. All right, I can see Dylan Gabriel still being in the conference. They're still yeah, unbeaten. That actually makes Aldrich sense. Estime is and also, who's going to beat Oklahoma now in the new Big 12? Like, who are they going to lose to UCF? Who else? Um, okay, so Dylan Gabriel, J.J. McCarthy's plus 900, Jaden Daniels plus 900, Jordan Travis plus 1,000. Yeah. Bo Nix is down to plus 1,200. Um, and Williams, the, I'm not trying Drake to say that Bo Nix was bad on Saturday. It's just that you could see the difference. Like, when they needed a big-time throw, Bo Nix is not that guy. But Michael Panic sure as hell was. Um, Emeka Egbuka is the highest nine. I think okay. that's the highest nine. Nana. Quarterback. Or Marvin Harrison, actually, plus 8,000. Mar- I think Marvin Harrison should be in the conference. That's the goofy part, man. Like, if Ohio State beats Penn State on Saturday and Marvin Harrison has a big game, I hate the fact that we just decided the quarterbacks are the only ones that are allowed to win an NFL MVP and the Heisman Trophy. Because, like, if you can't see, if Georgia football goes undefeated this year and you can't see that Brock Bowers is, like, the reason why, it's nuts, man. Blake Corum, actually, higher than Marvin Harrison, plus 6,000. Well, I mean, I, I get it yeah. right now. I mean, like, a, we'll see how that plays out. If Michigan beats Ohio State, then it's the only one that's going to be in the mix. Well, then when Maryland beats Michigan. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, USC Notre Dame, boy, who who would have thought the answer was to trust Notre Dame in a big game? Who would have thought Notre Dame pounds USC? The goofy part is, like, you could – Going into the game, we all talked about USC's defense, but the problem wasn't their defense. The problem was they couldn't score for S. Like, their offense was dreadful. And I know that it wasn't all on Caleb Williams. A lot of it was on the offensive line. Like, he was just running for his life. That that was woeful. Uh, And the only time they 
sort of made a threat in the second half. One play later, Notre Dame ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. So there was just no real competition in the second half whatsoever. That was a disappointing – after Oregon-Washington had yeah. been so good, you were like, man, I could settle in. We could get a whole night out of this. And It was a stinker. It was a stinker. Uh, Nick Kelly, Andrew Stecka, and Jeremy Kahn all got that point. Kind of weird that Andrew Stecka and Jeremy Kahn didn't have a better week considering they went 2-0 and in college football yeah. picks. I feel like I've I've gone like zero and two in college football the past I feel like three weeks. Um, I can't I don't know why I can't I can't get college I, almost, I and it just sets I, up. I mean for I went I went I I missed I missed Maryland I missed USC I had a bad week too. Uh, you also had a bad week because you picked Seattle coming across the country for one o'clock game. Look, it was a crapshoot. They were right in it obviously, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Cincinnati got a stop in the red zone when they needed to get a stop late. It was nice to be able to watch some football yesterday, although my kids made me take them out and play football with them. Those jerks. And then they made me um, take them to play putt-putt. Like, hey, a-holes, didn't they know I had a Sunday where I could sit around and watch football? They were like, you got to be a dad. I'm like, son of a bitch. <sighs> nice of you, I guess. I guess. I guess. Yeah, I, I, I guess Cincinnati, they're back to 500 at 3-3. Three and three. By the way, right now, every team in the AFC North is coming off a victory. Every team in the AFC North has won the most mm-hmm. recent game they played. I don't know how often that happens in a division. It was just sort of an anomaly that I thought about yesterday. I'm like, ah, because, of course, Pittsburgh had a bye yesterday, yes. and everybody else in the division won. So um, only Griffin, Andrew Stecka, and Jeremy Kahn. So all that good, <laughs> all that good fortune they built up in college football picks. Steck and Khan gave it right back in that game. Griffin did, uh, too, as uh, they were the only ones on Seattle. Go figure the Washington out. I, I don't understand that. So whose idea was bit. to pick this game? I mean, yeah, we what did we substitute? Oh, we substitute. Well, we Browns, were all, we would have all been yeah. on San Francisco, so we'd have all lost that one. I don't know. I don't know. I, was, I mean, sure. I don't know if I would have decided by Thursday that I was going to be on the Browns, yeah. but by the day of. I was like, I think the, this is a weird spot. If you say so. The Jim Schwartz thing. Only Paul Valley, Kyle Ottenheimer, and Ryan Schell were on Washington in that game. I don't know why they were, but it proved to be the correct decision as uh, they won outright on the road. Didn't just cover, but won outright on the road. And I, I think that tells us more about Atlanta than it does Washington. I think we got maybe a little bit too excited by Atlanta's defense and how well they were playing. And you got the reminder yesterday that Desmond Ritter ain't it. I mean, I mean stinks. And their decision to – I don't know why they keep dropping him back 50 times. To yeah, I mean, I, I I can agree I, with that. But they were trailing p- – part of that is because they were trailing in the fourth quarter and they had to score, and he ends up throwing three picks. I mean, Desmond Ritter stinks. There's just no way around it. He's not good enough to do this. I don't know why they even continued with the experiment for another year. I, I'm befuddled by that. The answer was always pretty clear that Desmond Ritter was not the guy. I mean, I say that. I get Heineke's the backup, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of talk about maybe they should turn, but uh, you know, this is always the sort of the, that's that's purgatory, right? Like when you play yeah. Taylor Heineke, maybe you'll be good enough I mean, to be. They're three and three right now. Like, what do they do? I, I it's such a difficult thing for any NFL team, right? Because you can't just say, well, we don't want to play that guy because then we might win more games. You, that'd be horrifying to say that. But the truth is, you're going to need a quarterback at the end of the year. And so you'd be better off not winning games and having a better draft pick to try to go get your quarterback. Uh, Texans bounce back nicely, get a win at home against the Saints. We were pretty split on that. Um, only Kyle, Proctor, Casey, and Ryan Shell were on the Saints. That one was a tough one for me because you were dealing with the um, – 
the, the Saints defense just being so good. But, man, C.J. Stroud really does look like the real deal. And I know, like, efficiency-wise, I think he only completed, like, 50% of his passes yesterday, but he made some big ones. He made some really big throws. I think C.J. Stroud's a nice player, and Houston gets that win at home. Indianapolis, I don't know why we – I think we are all the, – the London thing did all of us in. Because remarkably, despite the fact that obviously one of these teams was better than the other one, only John Proctor and Ken Zalas were on the Jaguars. Now, I was going to be, but I talked myself out of it at the very last minute after seeing that stat about uh, teams coming back oh, from London, from remember? London. Yeah. What and an idiot Gardner, I was. The Gardner Minshew thing, I was, I liked that Yeah, angle. that had nothing to do, that actually to me is the opposite. I don't like the Gardner Minshew thing, but. Well, the revenge angle, obviously. Sure, the revenge angle. Uh, well, he didn't get it. I don't know if you saw. That wasn't well, yeah, the case. Yeah. Jaguars paced the Colts 37-20. to 20. The issue for the Jaguars is Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. I guess the early word is they think he could play on Thursday. And That's right. They play on Thursday. Yeah, they play the yeah. Saints on um, Thursday. I just saw shoot, where was it? I, I saw an update tweet. this morning yeah. that, that suggested that they don't expect it to be significant. They think it's possible he could play. Obviously, there's a MRI few... MRI on his knee. This is less than an hour ago. Currently described as day-to-day. Yeah, the belief is no major injury. It's a quick turnaround for Thursday, but the hope is he's okay for it, says Rappaport. Okay. All right. Um, you know, for fantasy owners, that's good news. For the rest of us... Be a uh, better football game on Thursday night if he plays? Yeah, it might so. be a much better football game on Thursday night if he plays. So, you know, there's that. Anyway, yes, that was a comfortable win for the Jaguars, despite the fact, and maybe that's uh, encouraging for you if you're someone who's thinking about the Ravens against the Lions next week, the fact that the Jaguars played so well, despite not having a bye after coming back from London. Obviously, as I mentioned, it was and maybe, not... like, again, we're just kind of spitballing here, mm-hmm. but since the Jags were out there a while, like, they were adjusted to there, and then they came back immediately after. And they I, had, don't, I don't know what to make like of that just, part of it, right? If that, yeah. like, it, the more time you spend out there, the easier it is to adjust back. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right, we'll see. Yeah. We'll find out on Sunday, I guess. Talk to Tyus Bowser about it tomorrow night on the Tyus Bowser Show. Ooh. Come join us live at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. Tyus and a special guest will be with us. It's all brought to you by A.J. Michael, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. We start at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, the Tyus Bowser Show at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. Find out more, PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. Uh, Lions looked the part. Again, like nobody was really scoring a ton of points yesterday except the Jaguars. But they were they were dominant defensively. Maybe that's what we're missing with the Lions is I don't – I think we had all been paying attention to, like, Amon Ross St. Brown. Have the Lions been a better defensive team throughout the season than maybe we realized they were? Um, like they have they gave up 24 to the Panthers last week. It was okay. 42-24 right. game. Okay, but that was some of that was yeah. probably them just throwing a 20 lot. 20 points to the Packers on Thursday night. They won by two, still won by two touchdowns. They won 20-6 over Atlanta. Um, 37-31 overtime loss to Seattle. Their only loss on the right. year. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, 21-20 win over the Chiefs. So, it's kind of... Well, they were definitely impressive defensively yesterday. There's no doubt about that. Holding the Buccaneers to just six points and a two-touchdown win as the Lions very much look the part 5-1 and as they arrive in Baltimore next Sunday. Only Andrew Stecka, Jeremy Kahn, and Paul Valley were on the Lions. And only Ryan Chell was on the Titans. uh, On the Bucs, you mean. Oh, I said on the Bucs. Right, correct. They were on the Buccaneers. And only Ryan Chell was on the Titans... As I said, I th- I think that there's a weird he he's a Titan the closet Titans fan thing that's involved oh, with that. I 
I don't remember the story, but I'm pretty sure, like, it might even be that at one point in his life he was not a Ravens fan and he was a Titans fan. I don't remember. How old is he? He's I don't remember exactly what the deal. Yeah, he's mid thirties. Okay. I want to say. So there yeah, was, there might not have been a Ravens team when he like started. I mean, he would have been like eight when the Ravens arrived. I think like somewhere in that neighborhood, eight nine. So I don't think it would be that he was a Titans fan because the the Titans only existed. Were they the? Oh, I guess were there. They were the Oilers, obviously. I don't know what. I just don't know what the story is. I remember asking about it once, but like. Like Did, I, I either didn't feel like the answer made sense or I don't rem- it This is going back a little while or I just blocked it out because why would I spend that much time thinking about it? But I'm telling you, there's a closet Titans fan story there with Ryan Shell, and that had to do with so- – it had to be the reason why he picked the Titans. And it was a bad decision because it meant that he now tied Griffin for the worst week in yeah, the league. Man, the good news is – it wasn't that much worse than the best week in the league because everyone was between three and five and five and three. Um, five and three tied for the best record this week. Nick Kelly, Dr. Nick Kelly, that is, went five and three. Ken Zalis with a very important five and three week because it allows him to take over the top spot on the table. Everyone else went four and four, myself included. It was a big old wash this week. Ken Zalis now atop the table by himself, one game clear of Andrew Stecka, two games clear of Dr. Nick Kelly, three games up on Kyle Ottenheimer, four ahead of myself, John Proctor, and John Little Rock, five in front of Griffin. Griffin went from atop the table. I know. I've been Just keeps slumping. giving games back. It's been a rough I think I've gone stretch like three for and five, four maybe you need Maybe something. you need a side bet. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Maybe we should think about some, that for this pressure. week. Five games back, Griffin and Paul Valley. Ryan is seven games back, but he's still 17 games in front of Jeremy Kahn. That's all I got to do. That's all you got to do is is stay in front of Jeremy Kahn, who's not making up ground. I mean, he made up one game on Ryan Shell this weekend, but that pace ain't going to work for him. He's got way too much work to do in order to close the gap. Jeremy Kahn, 17 games back in the uh, race for our picks contest. Again, the loser of the, the winner of the picks contest gets some cash. It's not a ton. Loser of the picks contest is going to have to take an Irish dance lesson, then come in here, dress like the Notre Dame mascot, perform the Irish dance that they learned, sing zombie and nothing compares to you, consume blood sausage, haggis, and tripe, and wash it all down with a Will Levist Irish coffee Full of mayonnaise. It's going to be a hell of a day for the rest of us, other than the person that loses. And right now, Jeremy Kahn, he's going to have to start making some noise. I mean, the, Jeremy's going to need an eight and one week in there at some point in order to give himself a shot at digging out of this hole. He might have bit off a little more than he could chew. He also might just be sexually aroused by the idea of doing all of these things. He's a he's weirdo. He's <laughs> possible. And that's all he saw. He was like, I could put on my sexy Notre Dame mask costume and. Come in here and get get the get it on a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see what that means. That's our picks recap for the week. Uh, should we just go ahead and do? Um, yeah, yeah. I think we should. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Not great. I don't know what happened there. It's one of my best friends. Do I need to text? You want me to text him? Uh, I mean, I guess he. I guess it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> do I want to text him right now? Or should I deal with it after the show? Uh, I, mean, yeah, I don't want to harass. If you're with Kadri Ismail right now up at the Arena Club, would you please tell him, like... Give us a call. All right. 
Would you please? Would you please tell him? Um, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. But yeah, why don't we? Okay, we can take a break. Okay. Let's just take a break, and then we'll come back in. And when we come back in, we'll dive into Pat's on the ass. Get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Which five Ravens are most deserving of praise for their performance? Tough week for only picking two defensive players if you chose. This was a really tough one because you had to include two offensive players, and it was the defensive players and obviously the one special teams player that stood out the most. So you had to leave somebody off the list. I thought there were four guys for me between defense and special teams that were all very deserving, and I had to leave one of them off the list, and I didn't like that, and it was tough to do. But that's the rules. Two offensive players, two defensive players. The fifth can be whatever you'd like, another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. Rank them five to one, with number one being your man of the match. Who you got on your list? We'll talk about it next. Pat's on the ass here on Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GLENNCLARK23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and AJ Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. Quality of service. Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life. Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland open. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? AJ Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. 
The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadets starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. All right, back in here on GCR. Coming up a little bit later on today, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson. They're going to get together with you at 4.15. 4.15 to talk some uh, Orioles. It's their first show together since the end of the playoff run to talk about the rest of the teams that are still in it. Obviously, last night, Jordan Montgomery continues his spectacular postseason as he shuts down the Astros over six and a third and a 2 nothing win for the Rangers. So they are still unbeaten in the playoffs. 6-0 and now in the postseason for a Rangers team that couldn't win a game down the stretch. Baseball's weird, man. Really weird. Game two of the ALCS is the first game, so that's the 4-30 game today. Ooh, and then game one of the baseball. NLCS. Yeah, late, late daytime, but yeah, it counts as daytime baseball. And then game one of the NLCS is tonight at uh, 8 o'clock. So we'll talk, or they'll be talking baseball. Stan, Ross, and Luke coming up a little bit later on. Hour number one of today's show is just about in the books. Um, I'll pull back the curtain. On the way in this morning, Griffin was like, well, we only have, you know, Jeremy and Kadri lined up. Like, do you want me to? There was something else that was supposed to happen today, but it just wasn't coming down. And I was like, you know what? Nah. I think that's good, right? Like, maybe we won't go to 1 o'clock for a change. Maybe we'll have a nice, normal time for the show to end. Like, maybe it'll work out okay if we just have uh, Jeremy cut. Now I'm waiting for Jeremy to say, like, oh, I'm getting my right. teeth pulled today or something like that. Just tends to be the way these things go. Right. And and also in our business, it the London game was always going to be difficult. A lot of times we'll try to have, like, players come on the, the day after a win. They're not always in the mood to do it on days after losses. Why, why? Last week wasn't even an option because they were flying out to yeah, London. Right. Um, but I was like, hey, let's not – let's maybe leave some guys alone because they're coming back after a long flight and they, you know, they they might be – so I said, yeah, I think we'll be okay with just – and now I'm just waiting for us to have no guests go over today. That's okay. Obviously a weekend of football to discuss. Let's get into Pats on the Ass. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Want you to get me yours. Pats on the Ass brought to you this week. Uh, how about that brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel Griffin? Why don't you tell everybody what's going on Maybe there? Maybe you were betting the overs yesterday, or I don't know, you looked at my picks, I guess, and decided to tail me on a few of my picks, and that didn't go well for you. Um, but over at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, you can turn those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion between now and 
And January 4th, 2014, all live casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum. And two nights a week, 20 different winners will be chosen. Prizes ranging from live casino and Hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social, ultimate happy hour prizes, plus cash and free play worth up to $500. Strongs will be held every Thursday and Monday at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills uh, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Um, I think everybody else is dealing with the same problem that I was dealing. Somebody was going to have to be left off the list. And I'm just going to tell you flat out who got left off my list. And some of you are going to think it's shameful. I think others of you will understand. The longest kick that Justin Tucker made yesterday was 41 yards. You left Tucker off? I left Justin Tucker off the list. But this goes back to what I talk about when when a guy is the guy that runs in the two-yard touchdown, that to me isn't the story. I don't think that Justin Tucker did anything spectacular yesterday. I think it would have been breaking news if Justin Tucker missed any of those kicks yesterday. They were 41 yards and in. It would have been an abomination for him to have missed one of those kicks yesterday. So I'm getting it out of the way. In trying, I decided that three defensive players needed to be on the list because Justin Tucker didn't make a kick that was longer than 41 yards. I also think that there was an argument for Devin Duvernay because he finally made his first play of the season. But again, there was too much of a crowd. Like if I was picking a special teams player, obviously I would have picked Tucker over Duvernay. It's a shame that Duvernay finally makes a big play and you know Tucker makes six field goals. Right. And and the, the de- defense the defense, there were too many candidates. So I'm just getting it out of the way. Look, if there was a number six on my list, if I was allowed to, to have three defensive players, I just thought there were three defensive players. Frankly, if I'm being honest, Patrick Queen didn't make my list either, and I think he was better than Justin Tucker. So that's the the nature of the beast, man. Like I, when you when all your kicks are forty one yards and in, it's like trying to reward somebody for running the ball in from two yards out. I, it, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad because it would have been a nightmare if you didn't. But just on a day where there are a lot of candidates, the the sheer volume to me was not enough to overcome that. So now that's out of the way. Let me get to my list. My number five. Whew. Um, I. I don't really know how well he played for the day, right? Because that's sort of the nature of being a safety is nobody's really watching you otherwise. But they needed a playmaker, and Geno Stone has proven to be a playmaker this season. It's kind of wild how it's played out. Like, what a story Geno Stone is. Seventh-round pick, off the team altogether. I don't remember who picked him up. Who picked him up at one point? He was on another team at one point before he ended up coming back. I can't remember where he ended up, and it was brief. Like, he ended up on somebody else's roster for a short period of time, and then he ended up back with the Ravens. Oh, the Texans. Texans. They waived the, uh, let's see, he got COVID in December 2020, and then they waived him on December 28th, um, and then he was claimed by the Texans on the very next day. Yep. And then in 2021, they were able to bring him back in for over the offseason as a free agent. So so he was gone for a week, basically, yeah. at the end of the regular Two and season. Two yeah. Well, but th- it was the end of the regular season, so yeah. the Texans yeah. probably had him for a week at that point before Geno Stone became a free agent again, and the Ravens scooped him right back. And now he's looking like a guy that might have a chance to get a contract this offseason. 
Huge play, exactly when the Ravens needed it. Um, and Geno Stone's been a, a sort of stunning playmaker this season. I, I don't know that we saw that coming. Geno Stone is number five on my list. He was the one that I had the most trouble leaving off my list because I went a more traditional route, I guess. Um, but, you know, so I had two defensive players, two offensive, and I went with Tucker as my five. Justin Tucker was my five. You I, know, I were, get it. It was six field goals. I get it. We just had the conversation yeah. about it. I don't need to say anything more. It, yeah. it, he would have been in the equation. I thought there were too many good defensive players yesterday for me to have put Justin Tucker on my list, but this is not this is not like some of your list issues. This is not egregious. This is just a difference in opinion, and that's that's totally fine. Um, number four for me is Zay Flowers, and a little bit is that he finally gets the first touchdown, and that's cool. But more, it's the trying to see someone who becomes kind of a reliable weapon, and we're seeing more and more of that from Zay Flowers. Obviously, everybody had a rough week last week, and for the most part, everybody bounced back. Mark Andrews had a nice day yesterday as well, but Zay Flowers stands out, six catches, 50 yards, and, of course, that first touchdown, which, to be fair, was way more about Lamar Jackson than it was about Zay Flowers, but still, um, nice day for Zay. Yeah, I, same thing. I thought he looked really good. Um, he's most targeted receiver, had the most you know yards after catch, had the most re- receptions, and scored his first career touchdown. So, yeah, Zay Flowers, my four as well. Um, it was difficult for me. I, I wavered on who should be three and who should be two. Ultimately, Jadavion Clowney ended up being my number three. Um, I, I I do have to measure some of this against there was some stat padding going on at the end of the game when Malik Willis was just holding on to the football. But on the day, Jadavion Clowney was a wrecker. And it was, I'm sure, a good feeling for him to just finally get sacks, like finally not not be Mr. Almost again, like Marlon Humphrey called him a couple weeks ago when uh, he we told everybody to F off on the IG Live, which was really funny. Um, I, I, I don't know how... I, it's a difficult thing to talk about, right? Because I'm going to say what I said before. I don't want to overreact to what they did in the rush department yesterday because I think the numbers will lie to you a little bit. That said, I did pull up. Oh, let's see if I can still find this. I looked up uh, win rate. Hang on a second. Yes, man. Glenn pulling up the next gen stats. Um, I don't know how next gen this is anymore. <laughs> eh, hang on a second. Here we go. And Javion Clowney's number is really good. Like that's th- this is his win rate. His win rate for the mm-hmm. season. Javion Clowney, uh, ESPN's pass rush win rate. Jadavion Clowney is number 10 in the NFL. I'm going to try to guess who's in front of him. T.J. Watts. No. T.J. Watt is number 16. The Bosa's. No, Nick Bosa is 13. Joey Bosa doesn't show up on the list. Uh, Cameron Hayward's not healthy. Um, Man, I don't know. Some of them are you should be getting. Some of them are pretty clear. Daniel Hunter. Uh, Not Daniel Hunter, oddly. Who has a better... But there's another guy that we're trying to will our way to Baltimore. Max Crosby. Not Max Crosby. On the no, the, the guy that would that we think Chase is... Young. <laughs> How are you forgetting the guy that we think is actually on the... Brian Burns. Thank you, Brian <laughs> Burns, who is a pending free agent. Brian Burns is currently seventh on the list. Uh, it's a weird list, right? Boy Moff, or Boy Mafe, or whatever. I actually don't even know how to pronounce uh, his last Boy Moff sounds like a Star Wars. We'll go Mafe. Yeah, right? Yeah. Boy Mafe uh, in Seattle is number one. Then Bradley Chubb, Micah Parsons... Probably one of the ones yeah, that you should have yeah, guessed. Yeah, Miles Garrett, somebody you probably should have guessed. These guys aren't available, so they're not on my mind. Uh, Will Anderson, who's been yeah. awesome. He's uh, fifth. Trey Hendrickson, not surprising. Brian Burns, uh, as I mentioned, seventh. Samson Ekebaum is number eight. 
I don't even know who this person is. Bryce Huff is number nine. He apparently plays for the Jets. And then there's Jadavion Clowney at number 10. Jadavion Clowney this season with a 24% pass rush win rate, according to ESPN, actually tied with Arden Key. So let me take that back. But he has had more opportunities than Arden Key, so that's why he's listed first. Um, I, I don't... It matters. It does matter. And Jadavion Clowney has been a help. But what I would say is they still need more help. And while I'm not quite as concerned, a year ago I thought that Justin, remember Justin Houston, halfway through the season a year ago, looked like an all-pro. Looked like, Mm -hmm. you know, he was special. And there was every reason for us to say, eh, are we sure this can, can continue at this rate? I think Jadavion Clowney can keep performing well, even if it's not translating to sacks. I still think they need someone else. Like I, I just it's an awkward conversation to have. But Jadavion Clowney was very good yesterday, and he's number three on my list. Um, so I did have to leave Clowney off of my list as well. I went with Kyle Van Noy right here. Um, because he played he played a few more snaps. I think it also has to do with that, you know, expectation thing. He came in last week and and I he hear was you. big and I liked that yeah, he batted a pass down yes, too. I th- the entire the entire game he was influencing even though they weren't getting home to Tannehill they were making Tannehill uh, uncomfortable and that batted pass led directly to the Duvernay punt return. I hear you. the the awkward the part swing. about that like is if you if you the fact that it means that neither Roquan nor Patrick Queen specifically Queen I thought Queen had a great day yesterday. This goes back to your awkwardness, Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen was tremendous yesterday. Roquan was good, too. Um, I, maybe it's a reminder that when, you, when you're not play, making individual plays, although Queen had a sack, mm-hmm. um, when you're not making individual plays that stand out, then it becomes a bit more difficult. But it's, it's, I don't think I could put Kyle, Noy ahead of, Kyle Van Noy ahead of those guys. I do get the argument, but we got it. I'm not going to do the 20-minute Sermon on the Mount thing. We, we can't always have it be about yeah, it's say it can't always. It's not supposed to be about who outperformed expectations. It's supposed to be That's about right. who did what. It's just supposed to be a measurement of the game. Not I now, thought the batted pass was a really big deal. I do agree and the batted pass was backed it up the rest of the, the way. The batted pass too, was a big so. play. And he added a sack late. I don't I don't know that he was great the and rest of the game. He wears a real pass rusher number. Oh so. for God's sake. Right, there we go. There's Griffin. Number two is Lamar Jackson, who was very efficient yesterday. Um The only negative that you would point out is the interception, and it's pretty clear that was on Rashad Bateman and not on Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't know. I'd have to really go back and watch it a few times to see if there's anything that a quarterback can do in a spot where when do you recognize the receiver has run the wrong route. I thought that was such a quick route that it was probably impossible for him to recognize that Bateman had run the wrong route, and it just was what it was. But he was great, and add in that – like a couple of the plays that he made, like the, the dude, the one, the third and three, the third and three. I mean, what do you say about that? It's just bat s insanity. The even the touchdown to Zay Flowers was a Lamar Jackson special. I I get that he's not doing. This is not 2019 Lamar Jackson, but it's a reminder that. The dude is just capable of doing things that other humans are not capable of doing sometimes. And you got a few reminders of that yesterday on a day where he was overall very efficient, even if it wasn't necessarily explosive from the Ravens' offense. I, I don't know how to measure explosiveness versus efficiency and which one is better. And I, 
I don't know, man. But it was a really good day for Lamar Jackson. He's number two. Yeah, uh, my number two as well. I mean, he's the run game and the pass game right now. Yep. He is he is everything that this offense is right now. And, you know, they as they were slugging along, once they realized, oh, Lamar Jackson is our run game, and they started, you know, running some more yep. QB runs and just letting him just do Lamar Jackson things, then they started to pick it up a little bit more there in the second half. Not a ton, but they picked it up enough that they were able to still win uh, relative, you know, not comfortably, but, you know, win, make this make this win. Yeah, not get enough sh- not separation. Stress, yeah. Not stressed down the stretch there. So Lamar is my number two as well. And then to me, the best player on the field, bar none, was Justin Matabike. Um, Justin Matabike was a monster, was an absolute monster yesterday. And now you start to wonder if they might have to franchise tag Justin Matabike at the end of the season. He was a terror. Um, I don't know how else to say it. I, I don't want to oversell it. I still I hate it when we fall into tropes and like people are like, well, maybe he's a little bit closer to Aaron Donald than you guys think. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. Yesterday was a great day for Justin Matabike. He was awesome. Just awesome. But let's not let's not go too far with that. I hope there is a path for the Ravens to keep Justin Matabike around, but let's also not anoint him as a Lodinata either. He's a very good football player who has had some really stunning days, and yesterday was a really stunning day. Justin Matabike was incredible. Um, yeah, uh, this is why, you know, since the whole front performed well, I wanted to go with the coach again, Chuck Smith, and uh, the whole linebackers. No, I went with Justin Madbeek. Okay, I was like that. Would, I would. I was listening. Were, I was okay. like, I was between Anthony Weaver and Chuck Smith. I'm like, you know. I'm like, I, I don't. It's he had the same stat line it's, as it's clowny, weird. but Madbeek had to deal with uh, um, deal with Derrick Henry as well, yep. and they did a great job of just yeah, save for one play, yeah, obviously. save for the one play that you know. I mean, he got outside, yep. so it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, Madbeek had an incredible day, and <laughs> the, the whole. Front. You know what the really funny part was is like my reaction probably wasn't what you wanted there. Wanted you to flip out, yeah, because I was. I was. I'm like, can I listen to this? Is this is this crazy? Is this maybe maybe it's not crazy? Roderick Washington, Michael Pierce. It wouldn't have worked because you already put Justin Tucker on your list, so yeah. you couldn't have. Done yeah, that. yeah, you're right. Maybe that's what it was. So. Yeah, it didn't didn't um, make sense. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah, I had to leave Roquan. I like. I mean, the play that Roquan letting Chigabongo yeah the two minute warning thing, right? Yep, yep. That was very that smart. Was... I know our guy uh, Spencer shared that on Twitter mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it was, it was not that I think that it's going to make a difference in the football game. I think we also can oversell that a little bit. Like, what were the Titans yeah. really going to do there? <laughs> but sure, like, yeah, what? Why not? Let out that extra two, three seconds. And, that... and and the point that Spencer made, which is, it's just smart football. And there's so many times where we don't, where you don't feel like players are thinking two steps ahead. Like they're not. And I get it. Like in the moment, all they can think about is what's in front of them. But it's the little things, like a quarterback who, let's just say Lamar Jackson had taken it upon himself to say, no, we're going to line up at the end of the first half and we're going to try to get a free five yards. And it's a small thing because, again, it's not likely to work, but it's it's just these little things. If Chickaconco stays down, then it doesn't matter what Roquan Smith does there, right? Like, if Chickaconco just says, dude, I gave myself up, I'm, if I get up, you're just going to tackle me again, then then whatever. But it's thinking about it. It's the fact that he's considering the value of the two-minute warning. And maybe it's a conversation they had again after what happened against Indianapolis. Hey, guys, we need to be thinking situationally more. We need to have a deeper conversation. You guys need to be in tune, not just with what are we barking at you, but you need to have awareness. Now, Roquan Smith's such a high-level player that I don't think that he needed to be reminded that. But 
it's something that has to happen. Sometime, maybe that week, everybody. So you guys need to be looking at the clock. You need to be looking at circumstances and figuring out what makes sense in those moments. I, I thought Rokon had a, a very good day. I thought Patrick Queen had a whale of a day. I, I thought Kyle Van Noy had a nice day. Um, there were a lot of candidates. There were an awful lot of candidates defensively and special teams. And that's what everybody's sort of come away with, uh, the list that we've had come in uh, from Dylan. One Matabike, he's two Van Noy, he's with you there. Three Clowney, four Flowers, five Jackson. Uh, Paul Novilando, five Flowers, four Lamar, three Matabike, two Gino, one Clowney. Tony uh, Thornton from BAL, what's up, Tony? Five uh, Lamar Jackson, four Zay Flowers, three Gino, two Matabike, and one Justin Tucker. I, I, I couldn't do that, man. <laughs> you got to make like a he scored eighteen points. What are you you got to make about? like a fifty-five yarder or something. He something alone, beyond he alone fifty won the yards. Game. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, your boy PFF Sean's doing some shtick today. Put Kyle Hamilton on his list for you know setting a tone. I think for like trying to make a free Hamilton statement or something like that. Uh, there's a million things he could have done. Um, I've, we talked that. We talked about it earlier. I don't think it should have been an ejection. I think that ejection should be saved for obvious intent and obvious dirty plays. And that wasn't that. That was an attempt at making a football play. I get it. And it's funny, li- listening to Femi talk about it on the postgame show yesterday, I understood what Femi was saying, which is like, I don't think there was any intent there. I don't think it was dirty. But given everything I've been through, I'm still going to err on the side of player safety and tell you that I'm okay with it. And I, I understand that. If the statement, it weren't, it wasn't the refs who made the call. It clearly came from New York. And if their point is, even if there's not intent here, this is the exact type of play we're trying to eliminate from the game. Because what would be easy to say if he doesn't get ejected is, well, yes, it's a personal foul. You still separated the catch. And giving up 15 yards is bigger than, that would have been like a 27, something something like that yard gain. Yeah. So there's still a benefit to players doing that. So if the bigger statement... And if it was in the end zone, yeah, it would have saved the touchdown. Right. If the bigger statement the league's trying to make is, we need it to be very clear. There's You don't come flying in like that. It's not going to be better to break the play up than it's going to be to deal with the consequences. Because the consequences are going to be, you're getting tossed down. I understand the statement. I think it's difficult to adjudicate because these these are things that happen. Ray Lewis used to talk about this all the time. Ray Lewis was like, look, I'm not changing the way I play the game. When the rules started changing with defenseless receivers, he said, if I get penalized, I'm going to get penalized. The game happens too fast. I'm not in that split second going to have any time to think about, is this the type of hit that is going to end up getting me pen- getting the team penalized? This game happens too fast. So I think that makes it difficult. I understand it feels kind of like collateral damage, right? The collateral damage of trying to protect players is you're asking defensive players to do the impossible. It's why we go back to the rules, right? Like, go back to the first drive of the game. Yesterday was a reminder of why edge rush is so important because on that first drive of the game for the Titans, they didn't really do anything. And yet they were gifted... P.I. after P.I. I mean, the first one we could we could yeah. have a conversation about. The first one, while the call came in late on Marlon Humphrey, I do think there was an, a hook there. Grabbed I do, hand, I do think there was enough there. Like, a lot of people were yelling about it, but 
I'm okay I think with it was that. just because I guess the flag was late. The flag was... was late, and so that's the frustrating part there. But I think they got that one right. The Marcus Williams one, not a chance. Marcus Williams has the same right to the ball as anyone else does in that moment. He didn't go through. He went up trying to make a play on the ball. That was atrocious. But it's a reminder of how difficult it is to play defense in the NFL. And I think the Kyle Hamilton thing is another reminder of that, too. Trying to make a play ends up getting ejected from the game. I I disagree, but I do understand the leaning towards protecting players. Um, Randy Morgan, Lamar 5, 4 Tucker, 3 Duvernay. Yeah, that's cheating, man. Randy, that's cheating. I didn't catch it at first. That's cheating. Wait, what was it again? It was... He put Tucker and Duvernay on the list, oh, and he's trying to man. cheat and make Duvernay an offensive player. Nope. Did he play an offensive snap? I don't even know if he played an offensive snap. He played snap, 15 offensive snaps. Even if he did, that's not the reason why he's on the list. He's on the list because of what he did in special teams. Yeah. can't put two special teams. I Somebody's going to say, well, what if there's a day where – what if Duvernay had run it back for a touchdown? Rules are the rules, baby. You want me to go up? You want me to change – they're written all the way up there. I don't even think we have a ladder that size. We can't change the rules. It's what it is, man. Sorry. Got to pick which one mattered more. That's the way that it goes. So, Randy, I take it back. I'm taking back my retweet. You cheated. Sorry, maybe you're someone a would put uh, Keaton Mitchell as their special teams player, just because you know the first day that we had like a well-rounded special teams. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Was the way that Keaton Mitchell arrived? Keaton Mitchell was on the field. Jesus, <sighs> running backs I are. I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be the case. I right, continue to get me yours throughout the day. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, face uh, no, just at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter for Pats on the ass, and we will continue to share them throughout the course of the day. Oh, boy. Final, really, this is it. Today, I believe, is the last day for this print issue of PressBox, and then it is gone. Next print issue, as we talked about on Friday, will be a celebration of the survivors, if you will, the Orioles players who came from the Duquette regime, the position players who stuck around through the losing and played significant roles in getting the team back to prominence. That will be available starting tomorrow collage featuring Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle on the cover. You can go get that at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. That print issue, which will hit newsstands tomorrow. When we come back in, we think our buddy Jeremy Kahn's going to join us. We'll talk about whatever's on his... I want to talk about awkward hugs. I had a I had a thing that occurred this week, and I want to have a conversation about it next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown, or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit Maryland5star.us for tickets. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show a partnership of press box and great ace memorabilia the next highest bowser show is tuesday october 17th at mother's north grill in timonium it's brought to you by superbook sports and aj michaels and if you or a loved one have a gambling problem visit helpmygamblingproblem.org what company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses allergens and bacteria aj michaels heating and air conditioning in baltimore and annapolis AJMichaels.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program after the Ravens win in London against the Titans. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department coming up Saturday, October 28th. Public Safety Building in Towson, 700 East Joppa Road. The Baltimore County Police Department hosting a community and hiring event. The community aspect, it's a trunk or treat. Very safe opportunity for you to get your kids, get them in their costumes, get them looking adorable, come out, get some candy in a safe, comfortable environment hosted by the Baltimore County Police Department. It's also an opportunity as the Baltimore County Police Department wants to continue to build trust within the community. If you know you or someone you know is someone who just simply has not had a lot of interaction with the police and does not feel comfortable around 
police. It's a good day to simply interact with police. That day, the Baltimore County Police Department. Then add on that if you have considered perhaps a career in policing, this is your chance. Every step of the process, application, written test, agility test, you can do it all at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson on Saturday, October 28th. Find out more. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com. You can also give them a call. 410-887-5542. Baltimore County Police Department hosting that hiring and community event on Saturday, October 28th. Joining us now, this man made a late decision to hop into our picks contest, and he has just not closed the gap. He is still 17 games down, still a lot of time left, but he needs to make some uh, moves at some point. The Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, ConcreteLocks.com, and picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. He's our buddy Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? This isn't one where I can unplug the, the video game system no. um, at the Super Bowl, is it? No, you no? are you are in trouble, man. I, I, I don't I, like I understood the hubris and I still mm-hmm. I don't want to say too much because I'm very worried that at some point you're gonna have like a nine and a week and all of a sudden we're gonna look back and say, Oh right. This was always oh, it's coming. coming. Yeah. I, I like I know it's coming. It's just a matter of does it come soon enough to at least give me a shot, or is it something right. where, hey, I have a great week, but I've already buried myself too far, you know? Yeah, so. tough, tough. And it's not like Jeremy's been performing poorly. It's just that he hasn't been able to make up ground. It's sort of been all 500 weeks for the most part since he jumped into yeah. the contest. Well, that was the part, because I don't get to pick the games. That's but correct. Again, I'm not complaining about that. That's, that's, it's know, that's, the, that's the difference. What you see at ConcreteLocks.com and what you see at PressBoxOnline.com, that's Jeremy perusing and saying, no, these are the ones. Like I, I can look at these numbers and say these are the ones. We force him to pick our games, and that's why things are a little bit different. Hey, um, bef- I love it. Before we get into uh, like football and all that stuff, I want to talk to you about something. I had a moment on Saturday night where I was out picking up some uh, takeout food to bring home to Mrs. Clark, and I bumped into an old friend from high school, and mm-hmm. I hadn't seen. I saw her- a picture. <laughs> I hadn't no, I hadn't seen this girl in twenty years. Like I Oh, legit. I was thinking it was the other picture with the guy, so no. I wasn't being serious. No, 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 no. An old friend. No, no, no. Like <laughs> legit <laughs> legit twenty years I hadn't seen this girl. And she saw me, she's like, Hey, I'm like, Oh my god, hey, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But then I didn't know what to do. And I went to mm-hmm. give her a hug and I sensed that she w- was maybe not as like interested in the hug part of it. And then I said, oh, am I, I don't know what happened. Am I going to be me too? And it reminded me, I have thought about this for seven years. A friend of mine who works in the TV sports business, who I worked a broadcast with, and we were very friendly, and I saw her, and she came up to me and, pre- and gave me a big hug and then leaned her face in like she was about to give me like that like French kiss on the cheek thing. And so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I guess that's what we're doing. And so I gave her a kiss on the cheek, and then it was very clear that wasn't what she was doing, and it was awkward. And I have <laughs> thought about it, I swear to God. And I happened to see a game she was working this weekend, and I was like, oh, no, I bet she still hates me. Um, I think about those moments. They give me the heebie-jeebies and the douche chills more than anything. Do you have any awkward hug stories from over the year, any time that you had a particularly uncomfortable interaction with someone that you still think about to this day? 
Oh yeah. There's, there's been plenty because like I, I'm one to kind of like suck it up and wash my hands later. But you, you know, in, in our line of work, like people want to take pictures, people want to shake hands and like, yeah. I'm all for it. I'm, you know, like I've said it before, like I talk to people all the time, like I'm closer to white trash than upper class. So I'm more likely to buy you a beer and give you my cell phone number than probably most of the people that are on the air. So, um, but, but that being said, like, there's always those awkward ones where somebody comes up and you're like, this guy's hygiene is no bueno. Yeah. And you just kind of got to grin and bear it. Um, I'm just trying to think of like some other ones. Like okay, I've had you, the, wait, 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 wait a second. Like I, we can, sure. we can call a spade a spade. I don't know if he's listening or not, but I, God bless him. You wouldn't hug till, would you? I have. Oh, have you really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I've got. I'm. I'm actually worried about whether or not there might be a venereal disease. Like I'm. Well, I'm <laughs> from sorry. a hug. You know, I feel bad about that. Like I, I met Till's Can brother. Can you catch I crabs met, from a hug? I met That's Till's brother. Right. Is like Till's brother is great, and it's like I and I. I don't want to seem like I'm disparaging Till because he's a very. He means well. He means well. He's a very nice guy. But it's the same thing. Like I knew Rick really well. I never hugged Rick. Like I always had a line where I was like. It's good to see you, pal, but maybe we'll fist bump. Like, that's going to be how it, we interact. It kind of, but I've had those, you know, the, the, the fist bump or the handshake. And then especially when the pandemic hit, those are a little different. I'm just trying to think of something that, you know, since uh, I'm not saying you, you did put me on the spot, I but I expect I'm that sorry. as a question, know, you know? I know. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not like if you had texted me on Saturday, I'd come up with this great answer. I just don't <laughs> spend, remember one. Imagine Jeremy spending two days. <laughs> Mrs. Khan's yeah. like, hey, hon, do you want to go out apple picking? And he's like, no, no. I'm thinking about handshakes. Glenn asked me a question <laughs> about awkward hugs, and until I give him the greatest answer known to man, I refuse to do anything else. How, how, I'll give you one. How about the, the handshake with someone who's severely drunk? And they just keep going. Like oh, they don't let go or they keep hugging you. The, when you're trying to say goodbye to a group of people and they won't let you leave. Oh yeah. Man. I, I'll see you next time. Do you know who is, do you know what about the emotional hugger? And this can be drunk or it can just be in like excitable moments. The emotional hugger, like the person that yeah. gives you multiple, like they give you a hug and then they come back over to you and give you another hug afterwards and I'm going to oh I'm going to text you the name of somebody who is like this. I'm going no. to this is I, this one I think will legit I think I know who you're texting me. Uh no, I bet you don't this is oh I almost texted it to the person. Oh that would have been really <laughs> awkward once you see. Oh god. Look at this jackass. He likes no, to hug all the time. No, you're going to be blown away by this one because I I don't want to give too much. I just texted you the name of someone who is an emotional hugger. Like, oh my God, Griffin! Yeah, exactly oh. right. He's a very emotional hugger. Oh, oh. that's his emotional kisser. That's just, uh, that's yeah. weird too. They're actually, I don't they're, know they're, you, but they're, they're sensitive. Actually, is really what they are. He's a very sensitive <laughs> kisser. Uh, hang on, I'm going to write down the name so Griffin can see it too. That person. All right, I'm looking at it now. That person is a very, oh my goodness, very emotional hugger. Like, and I, as soon as I see the name, I totally understand it. That person in big moments will. Like I'm telling, walk over three different times. So at other times, want to fight you, but in a, oh. a big moments and emotional moments, will go out of their way. And I swear to God, there was one time, and I will say it occurred in Kansas City, where I had to walk away at one point because it was weird. Like it was <laughs> weird what was going on in these circumstances. Um, those those people that like. It almost feels like 
I'm having a moment, and I want to make sure you're having a moment too. Like, are we <laughs> are we experiencing this together? And you're like, you said. <laughs> I'm sorry, you said weird, and I was just reminded of this moment that I told a joke around people that I didn't know. And I was saying, man, it was really strange yesterday. My neighbor came up to me. He said he wanted me to meet him in the woods on Sunday yeah, and I, measure our penises. Yeah, I, and and then I said, I said, what a weirdo! The guy didn't even show I, up. And then was, the one guy goes, "What?" I saw, <laughs> I, I saw you share that. That was very good. That was. I'm very, sorry. As soon as you said, I really weird. No, I, I, I really, really went to that earlier. What a, what a weirdo! Sorry. He didn't even show up. No, that was very good. That one I love. But I can see the person you're talking about being an emotional hugger. Dude, there's no question. Dude, I am. I am tell. It's very hard to explain because there's other times this person is very standoffish, and then in big moments, and I, I can tell you, I don't know how you are. Like when you're having fun, when you're, when you are creating like a core memory, when you go out and do something like, a, I don't know, a great concert or, um, you know, just a, a great night out with yeah. friends. And there's a part of you that wants to know that the people that you're around are experiencing a similar core memory. And then you look around and you're like, are they? Or is this just another night in their calendar year? And you end up doing like yeah. the recap thing. Guys do this all the time, by the way. When, when, you, when we were younger, we did this with sex. This is a straight shoot. When you would have sex with a girl, you would start recapping the sex that you had. And she would be like, yeah, I know. I was there. Like, I, I remember. <laughs> I was there. But we were having a moment because we were like, wow, this attractive woman wanted to have sex with us. That doesn't make any sense. And we had it. I really convinced her. Right? But we we do that. that See, I didn't get to have those conversations since I didn't have sex until after I graduated high school. So. Yeah, but I mean, I would say that I feel like this was a thing that existed for me until probably my mid 20s. I think it was until my mid 20s that I was still a. With sex, like, dude, what about that time you're like. Glenn, it was three minutes ago. We we wait went for like five minutes. I remember everything that happened. You don't have to recap any of it. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. But you're having it. a moment, and I feel like it transcends. Like you go to a con- you go to a concert that means something. I have a buddy named Dan. I love Dan. The first time we saw the Manchester Orchestra together, afterwards he went to talk to me about it for an hour, and I was like, dude, I really enjoyed the show. Like we don't need. And I got it though, because I know I can be like that sometimes. Where I think well, we we had a, like a special radio show one day, and I just wanted to talk about it. I feel like it's a it's within nature of humans to want the other people there to be having the same type of moment that you're having. Yeah, it's weird. Like even uh, watching the Ravens game yesterday and just being around people. As soon as they uh, you know kick their fifth or sixth field goal, people just start standing up and high five, and we come to expect threes and not seven. But you know, like it was. It, I think sports and music are the two things, and maybe I'm missing something else, that'll just have you randomly high-five somebody you don't know because you're just in the moment. Um, I think that's fair, probably a fair point. I'm trying to think of anything else. You know, sex. Right? Yeah, maybe maybe if it's a threesome and an Eiffel yeah. Tower, you can high-five somebody you don't know. And, you know <laughs> Jerry, anyway. I've told you the time when I had my first threesome, I spent a week walking around high-fiving strangers. I'm not <laughs> – I tell people this story still sometimes, and I'm like, you don't understand. For a week – a week, I just walked around and high five strangers. And they were like, did you really? I'm like, no, I did. I walked down the street and I approached someone and said, hey, bro, high five. Because I was walking on air for a week. <laughs> I, well, I bet you were because, see, I never got to experience anything cool like that. Like yeah, I've had sex in a seen... sleeping bag. That's about it. But 
the hardest thing about having sex in a sleeping bag is your scoutmaster's breath on your neck. You know that, right? Yeah, but anyway, he was I'm, hot. He was he was really good looking. <laughs> And I was about uh, to say, and you should have yeah. seen the guy that was the other part of our threesome. He was good looking too. <laughs> I was like, this is an accomplishment. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> All right. Um, the Ravens win in London. I, I had such a duck, tough time. Like normally the first segment on Monday is like my audio version of a column about it. I don't even know what to say about the, the Ravens, right? It's so tough to talk about it because they're four and two. They're in first place. We, we watched around the league yesterday how difficult the NFL – like, no one looks like a world beater except maybe Miami. No mm-hmm. one in the league looks like they but have Even separated. then, they don't either. I Not mean, they really, were losing right. 14 to nothing to a team that hadn't won a game all year. Yeah, that's a fair point. Buffalo too. did spank them, you know, like, so and, – and, again, like, they – I was – you'll understand this more than anybody else probably. Like, the Miami Dolphins remind me of the Mike D'Antoni Suns. There's so much fun to watch, but when we get to the postseason, are they going to win a championship? You know, like their defense, is it just going to all be about offense? I, right. Like, I just don't see it. And, um, and you know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. With, with the Ravens, though, it's just – it's the same story every week. And I was talking about it today, and I'm sure if, if Harbaugh hears any of the things I say, he'd probably be pissed at me. But, like, it's just a matter of – it's the same stuff. When they win, it's the same rah-rah, I love you, I love, I love me, I love everyone – you know, he gets asked a question and he sidesteps it and starts talking about the academies and the Tottenham coach and all this other. But he's the happiest guy when they win. When they lose, it's like, oh, we're just, you know, we're going to do this. Right. We're going to do this. Right. It's almost like the Belichick stuff and he's miserable. And so, like, inherently, I'm upset over little things like the first half. You know, like the end of the first half, you have a chance to go down and get points and they've got the ball before the half. Now, a lot of people I was around was bitching about the fact that they ran it on first down. I get it. Like, if you've ever been in a situation like that, you want to get the clock started in case you have to give them the ball back. But this team always plays like they're just okay with how things are. Like, they're content. Oh, we've got a 13-point lead? That's good. Let's just, let's just go out and run it, run it, run it, and see if we can't pick up first downs and run the clock out. Oh, what's that? We just turned it over and they came back? Like, they flashed it on the screen yesterday five games of 10 or point, 10 points or more that teams have come back since 2020 on the race, oh, no doubt. 10 points or more. Yep. That, I mean, it just tells you everything you need to know that they play not to lose instead of to win. I, I, there's a couple of things that are in there, right? Because I thought in general yesterday, the Ravens decision-making was more conservative. And I just wonder if that's because they've been bitten in the ass a little bit of late. And I, I don't, I also think that part of it is reality. They are not a good running football team right now. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's a good runner, but away from Lamar Jackson, they're not a good running football team. They and only threw it once on first and goal, right? They had nine what was it, nine attempts down there and only one of them was a pass? That's true, too. Um, I, I I don't know. And that's it goes into my confusion about all of this. I do think that, like, I, it, I have to separate this. The people that, that say it's time to fire John Hart, like, we're just screaming into a void. Like, we're it's yeah. it's such nonsense that I can't even engage with you. And our guy Ken Zalas is one of those guys. Like, I, I love you, and I understand what you think you're saying, but what you think you're saying is as worthless as the breath that you're using, That you know, the, the people that are hugging Jeremy with their terrible breath, right? Like, yeah. it, it's not... You're talking about firing the head coach of a four and two team that's been around for sixteen years and won a Super Bowl. It's not it, it it's not just that it's not happening. It's that if a team did that, we would immediately say they're the most dysfunctional franchise in all of American sports. It's insanity when you suggest that. The points that you're making about how this team handles these moments 
it's a very relevant conversation. I, I wrote a column about it last week. Like they they tend to piss down their legs when they're faced with adversity. And to your point, like the era of getting a lead and sitting on it in the NFL is over. They were able to do that in 2019 because they could play bully ball unlike any team we have seen in the modern era of football. No one could play bully ball like the 2019 Ravens. But that was an anomaly. Like they weren't they haven't been able to re- replicate that since. The era of being able to sit on a lead is over. And to your point, I I agree that they tend to just sort of turtle up a little bit in these spots. And that doesn't work that way anymore in the NFL. So at some point, we're going to have to address it. If they lose two more games this season by doing that, if it costs them their goals, then it might be that at the end of the year they're going to sit down and they're going to have to have a conversation about whether or not this works any longer with John Harbaugh. But I, I just – I know we've, we've – I'm sorry, Glenn. No, I, go ahead. I, you know, I, I know we've said this before about, like, um, coaches and clock management and the coaches have had their issues. God knows we've talked about Harbaugh with them um, in moments of the game. I have no idea why teams don't do like pay me $10 an hour and I'll come over on the sideline. I'll tell you when to call a timeout and when you should be going forward on fourth down or, you know, if you should be what the numbers say, like that's an easy thing to look at. I'm just not sure what they want to be because I feel like they felt so much criticism for being the aggressive team that now they've become some sort of hybrid team that questions themselves on every move. Like it was a no brainer to me on fourth and one to go for it after Ryan Tannehill had went into the locker room and you know they're bringing Malik Willis out, if you don't get it, you've got him pinned all the way back up to the end zone, and you're going to get the ball right back to try another field goal. So, I mean, there were a lot of like little things in there, and the stuff but, before okay, the half but, was but, but, just nauseating. But when you have the chance to make it a two-possession, that's the part that's difficult for me, right? Because I, I, I think you have to make it a two-possession game that late, that late in the fourth quarter when you have the chance. When you have the chance to say the same thing. Right, we're probably talking about different field goals, by the way. All right, let me go back. Yeah. I'm 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 pulling up. So fourth and one. Let me make sure that we're on the same page here because I'm thinking about with like what was it five minutes left? Um, maybe it was a little bit more than that. Hang on a second. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. There was four thirty nine left when they were faced with fourth and one at the Tennessee nineteen. That's the fourth and one that I'm thinking about. I'm thinking of fourth and one on the goal line. Oh, on the goal line. Okay, so you're going back a little yeah. bit further. Got it. You're thinking about uh, – Yeah, that, that's yeah. a no-brainer right yeah. there, what you're yeah. talking okay. about. Okay, so Absolutely you're talking about no the, previ- the yeah. previous drive. The previous drive. Yeah, yeah I can listen to that argument. I, I can. And then, and then so, like, you're going for two in the first half to make it 14, and then at other times you're like, oh, we're not going for it on fourth down here. Like, I, there's just no rhyme or reason to it, and it can't just all be feel, and then you use analytics when you think it's convenient and then blame analytics, like – it's just it's crazy, and all around the league I'm seeing it. Like Arthur Smith uh, for the Atlanta Falcons this week, his team had two plays that were called in. He got a delay of game after they called a timeout on back-to-back plays, and then on one of the most important plays they have, it's a second and one. They just spiked the ball. They get the play in late, and then he calls a timeout so they don't get a five-yard penalty, and it's like goofball. You're not worried about five yards. You're worried about the time. Right. <laughs> the timeout was the most important thing you had. Correct. Why would you waste it there because you panicked? You well, know, like – I mean, that, that also might be what happens when Desmond Ritter is your quarterback. Like, that just might be. I, that, that's fair. I'm that, just saying, like, I just see it every single week, and it was just another instance after watching the Ravens have an island game where we get to watch only that. Right. And then seeing all the other games, you're like, God, this isn't just a Ravens thing. This is around the league. They're just screwing up consistently. I do. Jeremy Khan is with us here in GCR. I do think that the day in general was a reminder to me that, like, the league is not – It's the Ravens are not behind. There's – 
as much as we kept saying there was a tier one in the NFL, like this is the NFL. There aren't tier ones. There might be teams that are playing the best in moments, but the competition is way too close for anyone to actually separate themselves. And we know that. And every January we get back to that reminder, and yet we still do this all throughout the course of the season where we breathlessly say things like, these teams are obviously better than everybody else. So they're obviously getting better results at the moment. That's what happens is for a while they're clicking or they happen to be a little bit healthier than everyone else is. The moment the 49ers lost Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, you were reminded, well, yes, maybe they should, still should have won the game because they got down and got in the field goal range and missed, you know, a, a pretty makeable field goal. They were not the same team. And it's why we had a tough conversation about Brock Purdy because we knew he was playing brilliantly well, but we didn't know how much about it was him and how much about it was his circumstances. And yeah. yesterday, yeah. it looked like it was a little bit more about his circumstances than it was about him because he was put into about the best possible circumstances that you could ever ask to be put in as a quarterback. I think he nailed it. Like, Brock Purdy's the perfect example of a guy that can throw for 170 yards and his, his uh, coach be unbelievably happy at what he's done in the game. No touchdowns, no picks. You know, it's like he's... He can come in and throw five touchdowns, and I think because of all the other pieces around him, it lets it lets him be very comfortable to know that you've got a Pro Bowl tight end, two guys at wide receiver, and you can throw in. They've got some other tall wide receivers with yeah. Johnson and uh, some of the other guys in that mix. And then on top of it, then you you mix in Christian McCaffrey, who seems like the greatest Swiss Army knife in the NFL. I mean, he makes so many guys miss. It's amazing. I just that's the way I felt yesterday is that like I I have concern of course I have concerns about the Ravens. How could you not have concerns about the Ravens? They are a flawed imperfect team. But, you know, I did They should be 6 and 0 though. They should be 6 and 0. And I think that that's the biggest reason. I think our biggest concern is not necessarily about one particular area of the football team. Like I know they got six sacks yesterday, but I'd still tell you I think some of that was they 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 stat padded at the end of the game when Malik Willis mm -hmm. was willing to hold on to the football for forever because he can't do this. Um, I, I'm still telling that of the groups, of the, all of the position groups the Ravens have, I, I still think edge rush is the one that's most concerning to me, and I would absolutely be poking around on the Neil Hunters and the Brian Burns and whoever else might be available if possible. I would still be in – if Frank, if they want to sign Frank Clark, I don't feel great about him, but I, I would keep adding to that group as much as you possibly can. But I don't think it's about the roster that we have questions about. I just think it's about this thing that lingers and watching them kind of piss away two games they shouldn't have pissed away. And to your point, that it goes back a couple of years. And so while the roster I think we're largely pretty comfortable with, it's this sort of, I don't know, black cloud that hangs over them of, are is this just going to be who they are moving forward? They're going to be the team that plays good enough to be good enough, but then sort of disappears in the biggest moments. And, and I know, like this is ending, but like a couple of a couple of things that just kind of stand out to me, like what's going on with Rashad Bateman? What's what's happened there? Is there a disconnect? Is it like is he unhappy or are they unhappy with him? Um, you know, and then you start looking at some of the other things. This defense has given up five touchdowns in six games, <laughs> so they've been absolutely amazing. Uh, you've got Williams back there playing with one arm. Like, is he hurting the team? Is he helping the team? Like. There's a lot of things that they have to look at. And, oh, by the way, this offense is literally six games into its, uh, into its career, whatever, if you want to call it that, under Todd Munkin. You know, like, we don't know what the offense is capable of looking like. The only thing we do know is that Zay Flowers looks special, and I think they got the right pick there. Um, but I'd just like to see this offense get a little bit better. So I, I have no blames for Munkin and some of the play calling at times because I'm, I'm wondering if there's some sort of directive of how you want to be once you get the lead. Because if that's the case, then I don't like it. 
All right, uh, before I let you go, now that it's over, now that we don't have to talk about it being loser talk or anything, what's what's your solution for baseball and the wild card thing and the layoff and how do you, how do you fix this moving forward? Well, I think I mean you go to you should have um, they're probably going to add a playoff team and, and have everybody play the first week. They'll just have more games on, and that'll make everyone happy at that point. They expand the playoffs and kind of water down everything like every other sport has done. You know, in the NBA, it's tougher to miss the playoffs than it is to make it now. So that's my assumption because of what we saw from, you know, three out of the four teams getting their asses kicked, including what we thought was a a legendary Braves team that was going to just break all kinds of records and go on and win this World Series. And and then they barely win one game and come back fashion against the Phillies. So, and the rest of us, (laughs) all the other teams, they didn't win anything. So, um, I mean, you look at the Dodgers, their two best players, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, had one hit the entire series, and it was an infield single. So, you know, so I think they change it, and maybe they expand it. Maybe they should go back to six and make the series shorter or one-game playoff again, which I don't think any of us really love. Yeah, I, you're probably right. I, I feel like that's dramatic, and you don't need to go right to that. I feel like I, I would not be opposed to – Making the the you know the the division series seven games, starting it a day earlier, telling the wild card teams you don't get an extra day off. Like I was thinking about that yesterday. I don't really know why the wild card series can't start on Monday. Um, yeah. You know, like it's not crazy to say a team has to travel after playing a Sunday afternoon game and play another baseball game on Monday. Like that's, that's you mean something they've done all year. Correct. No way. Like why do they have to get a day off on Monday? And somebody would say, well, this is because you might have to deal with the fact that a team you know, has a game rained out in the last week of the season and the only way to make it up and it means something for the division is to play it on Monday. I feel like that's a very un- specific, you can deal with that if it creates itself sort of situation. Like you can deal... Did you... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, did you feel like there was a, a decisive advantage for the teams that kept playing instead of the teams that had five days off? And then on top of it, it wasn't even just a matter of having those days off. The other teams got to Reset kind of their pitching, allocate yeah. their pitching the way they wanted because yeah. they ended up having more days off, and, and it just worked out for them, you know? So um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is, but we always inherently do this. Like I said uh, about the, the Bills-Chiefs game we had years ago, everybody after the game said it was the greatest game they ever saw, and then what they wanted to do is change overtime now. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't get to have it both ways. Like, it can still be the greatest game you ever watched, and you don't like overtime because one team took the ball right down the field and scored, you know? really uh it's weird it's it's i i i don't again i keep coming back to, i don't want to make it seem like it's the reason why the orioles lost i just think that at this point we have enough evidence to say something's got to give here there's got to the be. timing's off for all of them it sucks it's like it's not like the other sports like it'd have been nice to have a day or two off right and then you go back to it having five days off like even when you're hitting in the cage they all say it ask the baseball players they'll right. they'll tell you like that timing comes off but nobody wants to give you an excuse. They'd rather give you a reason of why it's happening. Um, but ultimately, I'll ask you this too, Glenn. Like, let's say the Orioles lost and the Dodgers lost, but the Braves came back and won. Do you think we changed the playoff then? Or is it the fact that the other two big dogs lost and I, I now think, it's got to be changed? Yeah, I think it's the totality of it, right? Because like, I, I think you always accept that these teams could lose. But I think the totality of it is what makes you step back and say, okay, there's got to be something going on here. It can't. We can't be dismissive of it as a factor and just say, hey, sometimes teams lose. There's really something going on here, and you got to do something about it. All right. Absolutely. Uh, what's coming up this week on the Big Bad Morning Show? 
Uh, so we'll be uh, obviously getting into the baseball playoffs, getting the Ravens. or talking about a lot about the Ravens and Lions coming up. Lions have the best run defense and number two defense and DVOA across the league. So much better team than most people think. And how do they match up with the, I can't believe we're saying that. You know, oh, how do the Ravens match wild, up with the Lions? Now? Right? What a wild and massive game this proves to be. Like an absolutely yep. game of the week type of thing in the end. Although, uh, what is it, Dolphins-Eagles is Sunday night, so that's really the game of the week. Um, and then what we get Dolphins Chiefs in two weeks yeah, in Frankfurt, Germany. Germany. By the way, how nice is it that like the actual game of the week next week is a game that people are able to watch? Like what a nice what yeah. a nice change for the <laughs> NFL for like the big game to be a game that's gonna be on television. That's crazy. All right, oh. buddy. Uh concretelocks.com with two N's, C O N N C R E T, concretelocks.com, picks at pressboxonline.com. Love you, pal. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan. Uh, Jay Kahn Sports on Twitter is how you follow him. All right, we are winding down for a Monday edition of GCR. It's time for us to get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Superbook. Again, the line is two and a half. Ravens, two and a half point favorites at home against the Lions next week. If you feel something about that, I'm not sure yet how I feel about it. Steck and I were saying that, like, the history of London teams coming back, you almost have to hammer the Lions. But, like, I don't know. I don't feel good. This is the other thing about the history. Hammering the Lions. Yeah. This is the other thing about the Ravens' history is, like, they tend to, when we say that they tend to play down to their competition, they also tend to play up to their competition. They tend to be really ready for these types of games. Does that mean they're going to win, though? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not yeah. ready yet. I'm not ready to say anything about it yet. But if you are, go to Superbook.com, download the Superbook app, use the code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-23, and when you do, you'll receive a same-day first bet match up to $250, win or lose. Superbook.com, download the Superbook app. What you got? Uh, what do I have? Sorry, I clicked away. Oh, last night the Bills—they uh, became the fifth team uh, in the since the since the merger in 1970 with a prime to win a prime time game after being held scoreless in the first three quarters. I'm surprised it's that many. Yeah, remember the last time that a team uh, won a game after being held scoreless through the first three quarters of a of a prime time game? It was it was 2007 on Monday Night Football. And this the score the, was three to zero. Oh God, I don't remember that at all. Who was that? That was the when the Steelers beat the Dolphins. I don't remember that. You game remember that? Like it was no. pouring rain and it was just miserable. I just, I, I'm sure I don't remember it, but I don't know why. I mean, I was seven years old, but I remember this yeah, game very vividly that's and just weird. be like how ugly it was. The Dolphins and the Steelers in 2007 on Monday Night Football. The Giants are now the only team in the they are the only team in the Super Bowl era to have. To outrush their opponent, how outpass their opponent, more passing yards, more rushing yards, have fewer interceptions thrown, okay. fewer fumbles lost, fewer missed field goals, and still lose. I mean, they damn near won the game at the end, right? Like they they really did have a chance on that final play, but um, teams had been one hundred thirty four and zero when uh, doing all of those things. It's a weird league, baby. It's such a weird. I, every time you think you know something, the Bills should have lost to the Giants last night. They didn't, and that's all that that really is all that matters. They didn't yeah. lose so the like, Giants do we, last night. So we do know. Well, yeah, I don't know. What? Like we well, we knew the Bills were a bit better team, but it was it. But 
the Giants somehow did yeah, everything statistically. Better. This would go back to DVOA, right? The DVOA would tell you that the Giants were a better team than the Bills were last night, and it does. It's not like that doesn't matter. I, I don't know how to talk about these things. This is why I'm. I God, I know it's my job. I understand that, and I don't know why you tune into me. Other, what are the answers? I don't. So have, who's winning the Super Bowl? Believe it or not, I don't know. Believe it or not, I cannot predict the future. It's so, just it's such a goofy thing, man. And it's this league will remind you that. This league! They will remind you that constantly. Every time you think you know something. And we do it so breathlessly, right? Where we say these teams have separated themselves. There's six teams that have a chance. And everybody we say that stuff constantly. Like we think we know something. Like we think we're smart. And then the league will smack you right back in the face of your you're you're stupid. You have no idea what you're talking about. Everything changes from week to week. The competition is too close. This is a salary cap sport of professionals. What's wrong with you thinking that you know something? We do power rankings because, I again, it's a week-by-week thing. This week, this is the best team. Am I predicting the future? Not even a little bit. Probably shouldn't because I was the guy that thought the Bears were going to be good. So probably shouldn't be the guy predicting the future. Uh, did you see what Calais Campbell's doing? The 100 sack give back? Uh, no, the, I don't know about that. So in the celebration of his 100th career sack after yesterday, he's donating $100,000 to teachers in each of the four cities he played in. Wonderful. So Phoenix and Arizona, and Jacksonville, Baltimore, and Atlanta. Great guy. Love me some Calais Campbell. Always have. Fifth active player with 100 sacks. Um, Fifth active player with 100 sacks. Yes. Uh, okay, so... God, who's already at 100? Now, this is interesting. Active player. Mm-hmm. Who? Damn. Uh, Von Miller. Von Miller has the most among active players, 123 and a half sacks. How about... Is Aaron Donald at 100? Aaron Donald is uh yes, he is, yes. A hundred five and a half. A hundred five and a half sacks. For A D ninety nine, Aaron Donald. Like the other guys are young, so I just don't feel like like T J Watt's not there yet, and Joey Bosa's not there yet. T J Watt not there yet. He is uh, seventh on the active list on eighty five and a half sacks. Is it possible? Is Daniil Hunter at 100? Not yet. He is at 79. Okay. He is the ninth most. What about, what about Cam Jordan? Cam Jordan is, in fact, on the list second most among active players. 116 and a half career sacks. So Miles Garrett isn't there yet. He is not. 80 I, sacks be, right behind I don't think TJ. Frank Clark's at 100, but Frank Clark? No, not Frank God, Clark. Khalil Mack? Khalil Mack is just outside. He's 90 and a half sacks. So we need, Are we these need guys that like, you know, it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They're active, or are they? Uh, I mean, he's active. Like he's still playing. Um, like he's not. I don't. He doesn't have a huge role. You should. You. Uh, I won't say you should know. I'm trying to think of a hint I can give without giving it away. Um. Um. It's Justin Houston. Isn't it is it? Justin yeah, Houston. Yeah. You know what? And. We actually did a whole thing about him last year when he came out yeah. to do the Bowser show about his son keeping track of what the sack total he was needed he needed in order to punch his ticket to the Hall of Fame. 112 sacks for I had forgot Houston. I honest to God thought he was still like unemployed until this weekend I saw he was in Carolina. Yes, yeah, he yeah. is a half a sack with the Panthers. 
this so far this season. So but yes, the, that the is the list. list. That is the list of uh, All right. very good of active players. And you got pretty much the whole top nine, top ten. <laughs> Chris Jones rounds out the top ten. Um, you guessed the well, rest. I, I guess I should have guessed Chris Jones. Actually, I think that would have been a better guess than some He's of the a seventy and a half. Right but hey, uh, did you happen to see this? The uh, line is set for Minnesota Iowa next week. I did what take – one of the one of the bets I did hit this week was the Wisconsin-Iowa under. There you go. Yeah. What do you think the total points is for Minnesota-Iowa next Saturday? Where are they? They're in Iowa? They're in Iowa Not City. Not that it matters, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it probably doesn't. <laughs> um, I mean, I know the, the Wisconsin-Iowa line was 34 and a half, and I was like, that's Jesus. still pretty high. Still pretty high. It was yeah. like 12 to 9 was the final score. That's still – 34 and a half is a staggeringly low number. So that makes me think that this number is higher than 34 and a half. I'm not telling the way you. You're acting. 32, 32 and a half is the line. 32 and a half really? is the line. Uh, according to Thor Nystrom on Twitter, it is currently the third lowest total in college football history. Wow. Um, the lowest ever. All three of the lowest now involve Iowa. The second lowest total in history was Iowa Kentucky in their bowl game last year. And the lowest ever was Iowa Minnesota last regular season. It's crazy. I mean,. Iowa-Kentucky was 32, and Iowa-Minnesota um, was 31. Oh, sorry, 31 and a half. So 31 and a half, the lowest combined total in Jeez. college football history. Right now they're sitting at 32 and a half. We will see if that number comes down during the course of the week. Wild, man. Wild. Now, so without Caden McNamara now, I guess. Yeah, everything's, no everything's changed. That's a great point. Everything has changed. Because they won. I mean, it was like 12 to I think it was 12 to 6. Iowa won in Wisconsin. I mean, I bet Kirk Ferentz would tell you it was a masterpiece. Maybe I bet should, he would say yeah. it's the greatest game he was ever a part of. Maybe we should pick that. I mean, Maryland's on by, so maybe we should. Uh, uh, no, there's enough good games this week. Yeah, we'll do yeah, we'll do Navy Air Force. Obviously, mm. that's a, a meaningful. Uh, that one's on. That one's getting CBS treatment. That CB, one's on the big CBS. big network this mm. week for Navy Air Force. Uh, also, Penn State, Ohio State is yeah. this week, and well, then I there's feel one like more big game that we need. Then no, I feel like there was another big game. I think you were right too because I was looking too. Um, I feel like. Oh, what was the other? I feel like there's another. Oh, is uh, there's an Alabama well, Air Force game? Is ranked now. Oh, are they? How yeah, that? top twenty-two. Alabama's uh, got somebody this week, don't they? Tennessee, yes, Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big one. Throwing John Little Rock a bone. Yeah, give him a bone. Give him an SEC game. Oh, doesn't Florida State have a big game this week too? Um, yes, Duke. Duke and Florida State. So uh, if you want to go, well, if you want to go by like what if we went like the lower combined ranking? Yeah, is Florida State's more in the national championship picture than either Alabama yeah. or Tennessee State are. Is four. Duke is sixteen. Are we really gonna freeze out John and totally and continue to go no SEC? Got Utah, USC as well. Yeah, it's a good one, but the, the bloom is off Stanford the rose. Stanford coming off a big win playing UCLA. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna be on the list. I don't think that's gonna make it. Um, but yeah, I think Florida State Duke is a pretty good. It's either gonna be Florida State Duke or Alabama Tennessee is the third game this week. John can start campaigning now, but I am with you that I'm le- the we, more meaningful game at the moment appears to be. I hate saying that, but the, it, if Riley Leonard is hurt. Uh, that it does, will make cha- it, it does yeah. change a little bit. That's a good yeah. point. That's good. Oh, did you see? I might have cursed him this morning. Riley Leonard? No, Brock Bowers. Oh, yeah, I did see. I saw literally. Uh, Jesus. Rays were coming out of break. Right as I'm talking about Brock Bowers needing to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation, he's going to miss four to six weeks. He's having a surgery. That sucks, man. That sucks. Yep, you I cursed him, yeah. Love well, Riley I was, Leonard. I was a top 25 team. God. I was ranked 24. sucks. 
All right. Uh, very good. Uh, here's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, pretty good Monday Night Football game. Cowboys Chargers, 815, ABC, ESPN, and apparently a Manning cast on yes. ESPN2. Uh, baseball, Fox, game two of the ALCS at 4.30. Nathan Eovaldi and the Rangers against Framber Valdez and the Astros, which almost moves into kind of, I don't want to say must-win territory for the Astros, but, like, be wild okay. if they had to go yeah. with Dallas down, or Arlington. Arlington. Yes. Down uh, two games to none in the series. Uh, game one of the NLCS, Diamondbacks-Phillies. It's a matchup of the Zacks, Zach Gallen and Zach Wheeler, the pitching matchup for game one on at TBS. Capitals at home tonight against the Flames at 7 on, I, I guess they're calling it MNMT. That's the Monumental Sports Network uh, abbreviation that they're going with, MNMT. M-N-M. M-N-M-T. So. Monumental. I mean, like I get it. Yeah, it's okay. M-N-M-T. They, I guess they could put an L in there, but yeah, maybe there's a rule four is the limit for abbreviations. Okay. Um, some preseason hoops, and then the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw tonight at eight. Anything non-sports-wise? There is not. No. Oh, good. Yeah, there's not. It's nothing uh, the at season all. Season three uh, premiere of F Boy Island on the CW. I managed to miss seasons one and two of F Boy Island. They say you're missing month. out. They say so. They say so. That one in MILF Manor, I just haven't spent the time with it that I need to. That one I, you are missing. I out. really MILF should Manor. watch both yeah. F Boy Island and MILF Manor. Uma Thurman's going to be on. I mean, it's all just musical people on the late night shows. That's all they can do. The Uma actors Thurman aren't allowed to work. Fallon. I didn't get to watch uh, SNL yet. I saw a couple of clips. It I did. Good. I saw the Dion thing that Keenan Keenan oh, Thompson that was the one did. I didn't see. That was that pretty. Was, f- I, like I saw the, that they did. It, there wasn't a lot there in the impression, but they they did a couple of fun bits with it. Like they did some funny shtick there. Uh, there was this. All right, I'll let you watch it. There was like a whole thing about look look at me, and like it was a, it was good. It was good. Okay. All right. Um, very good. Find everything else at glennclarkradio.com. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn and us. And we'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Yeesh. Tomorrow on the program, um, uh, Navy football. I mentioned they got a big one against Air Force this Saturday coming off uh, back-to-back wins. So we're going to check in with them as striker Luke Pierce is going to join us tomorrow. We will preview Waiver Wire Wednesday, of course, with Joe Serpico. And we will we'll talk to Kadri tomorrow. This is the plan. This is it. Yeah. I love you know that's I love Kadri. Kadri and I's friendship goes twenty years. But I I've played golf with Kadri Asmal, and I don't I haven't played golf with anybody. <laughs> I have sat in his kitchen. Like Kadri and I are close friends, but I can't cheat. This is at some point I gotta say we at least have to be a break. Yeah. Normally after two, I say there's gotta be a break. So this is I'm bending the rules already. This is it. This okay. is it. No more. I let him tomorrow. know. Love you, pal. And he does this doesn't make me pay him a thing. This isn't uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee. I don't know why that became a controversy. That was a very weird that, bit. Like that Rodgers was getting paid. Yeah, I mean like I, I kind of I mean if he was doing forty five minutes, I guess. I mean, like I kind of expected that that was the case. Now, I don't again, the question is who's paying it. Like if ESPN's paying it, then they gotta kinda answer a little bit of that, because at some point, then Aaron Rodgers is an employee of ESPN, and it impacts how you cover Aaron Rodgers. Mm. If Pat McAfee is really paying it out of his pocket, that's a I don't. 
He's been doing it for. Those are different conversations that that I can see there being relevance to. It does matter if Aaron Rodgers is an employee of ESPN. Like that does matter. But it's the same thing I would tell you. We pay Tyus Bowser to do the Tyus Bowser show. But what? like, he's not an employee. He's a. It's it's a Con- it's a contractor, yeah. right? Like. So I would assume that even if ESPN is the one paying Pat Aaron Rodgers, that would be what it is. But there is there are funny things about it, right? Like, and I will tell you that whenever we talk about Tyus Bowser, I don't pretend. I don't sit here and say, I'm completely unbiased about this. I'm not. <laughs> Reality. Full disclosure, not unbiased. So that's how I handle those things. I know it's going to sound crazy. Guy that, you know, giving me gifts of nice shoes and... I'm not unbiased about him. If you're looking for an unbiased opinion about Tyus Bowser, you're going to have to look elsewhere. But I will tell you that and not attempt to bamboozle you into saying that I'm completely unbiased. This is why I don't it. go to the Tyus Bowser shows. To keep this show. No, yeah, to keep it. You yeah. want to make sure there's – I want to come out the one. I know. I do. Well, it's a lot always, of fun. It's a I'm lot working, of fun. I'm working tomorrow night, so I can't make tomorrows. Really stupid of you. Really, <laughs> really stupid yeah. of you to not get out to the Tyus Bowser show. All right, thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Live Casino and Hotel, Maryland Five Star, Guilford Hall Brewery. What a time everybody seemed to be having yesterday. A.J. Michaels, the Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. All right, thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go, do we care about anything tonight? No, Duke sucks. <laughs>